Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. This is Joshua Michael with my best friend in the whole world, Mr. Colin. This is issue number 54. How you doing, brother? Welcome back! Yeah. Welcome back! I feel recharged, man. I feel like, uh, I feel like the, uh, isolation jitters are gone and, like, the, <laughs> the motivation to persevere has fully come to fruition and, and to get shit done the way we were getting shit done back when, uh, the plague happened. Oh, the plague is happening, man. It's it's not it's not awesome out there. I'm very disappointed in a lot of the people that I'm encountering when I go out, which I, I probably go out every day. It's just a matter of whether or not I come into contact with people, and I'm definitely not touching people. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it's a it's a yeah whatever. I mean, I don't want to get into that. I wear a black. It's, it's just what it is. I wear a black mask anytime I go in and place public. Like, uh, into yeah. the store, but I've noticed that increasingly more, less and less people are wearing it and giving me dirty looks for wearing it, which everybody needs to like, wear it for everyone's protection yeah, in mind. I, I can't even do it. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, I, but ugh, it's, I had that conversation with my, my son today because <clears throat> he, uh, he was like, dad, come over and, uh, maybe we can bike ride. I was like, dude, it is raining. Let's, let's, uh. What you know? What what else might we do? There's a there's a, a rocket launch about to happen. I think you need to take a minute and appreciate how important this is. He, I guarantee, he hadn't even heard of it. Yeah. But he was like, "Oh, Dad, yeah, that would definitely be one of the most important thing that's happened to America in coronavirus." And I was like, <laughs> "That's awesome." Well, I'll tell you what. It made me think of uh, after September 11th, the first real morale boost that came was i think when those miners were trapped in west virginia and the governor was like let's get them all get all 19 guys out and i was like what a nerd <laughs> like you're gonna you're doing that and if something doesn't go right and you're i mean you just killed your career and you just really hurt a lot of people's feelings and then they all came out and I remember, like, I needed to stay up until 3, 4 in the morning to watch that live to know that it happened and that it all came through okay. And I went to bed feeling good about something. And I was like, dude, you know, hey, if this rocket goes, and then we're talking about SpaceX, obviously. This right. is the day that it happens. So it's right. the 27th of May. Delete. If that If that had gone off today properly, if it goes off properly on Saturday, if I understand it correctly, that's how, when it's been rescheduled. Man. I mean, when I when I realized what was going on, I was getting a shower. I'm in there. And I was like listening to uh, Bill Conti's "The Right Stuff" score, which is about the uh, Mercury Seven astronauts, the first Americans going into space. And I was just like weeping in the shower, thinking about how awesome it will be for Americans to go back to space from America, <laughs> as opposed to uh, having to spend. Uh... Millions of dollars to train our uh, astronauts in Russia, because that's what they do now. That's what that's I, what I NASA has like, to do. I, yeah, I know. I'm not. I don't. I just want it to be. I just want. I just want Americans 
to be able to do this like they always had. Right. And I want Russians to be able to do it the way they did it, but I want, I yeah, want after it to be us. safer. And, well, that's... <laughs> not, no, dude, we're after them. Uh, the, Yuri Gagarin was the first man in space. No, no, I'm, I'm saying... Uh, I'm saying it's just some uh, cold... Uh, uh, a residual Cold War bullshit inside of me. <laughs> a little nationalism... <laughs> Easy there, comrade. Isn't a bad thing. A little nationalism. Patriotism. Patriotism yes. is the thing. Maybe not nationalism. No, you can't but, use that uh, word anymore. Patriotism is good. I don't know. It's a very... very. I started watching The Man in the High Castle again, and there's a lot of nationalists in that show. Yep. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude. Yeah, what... Uh, we what, we what have we been doing? We've been... Working out. We've been working healthy. out. Eating healthy. You've been working. I've been working, uh, doing my DDP yoga, and it is making oh, yeah. me feel very good. Uh, awesome. It's it's. I haven't been hitting it as hard as DDP would like me to, but I am. <laughs> I'm still doing something. I'm so excited. Comics are starting to come out on a regular basis now. Uh, the ones that I want to go over. <clears throat> there was nothing really that you would have liked this week. Uh, I definitely want to go over the latest <laughs> issue of the Dollhouse Number Six, the Dollhouse Family, sorry, and a new comic by Kieran Gillian, uh, the Ludocrats Number One from Image. Okay, okay, and... maybe I wouldn't like that. I thought you were going to tell me it was an entire week full of Spawn comics or something. No, no. Uh... I'm just kidding. I don't. I, no diss. <laughs> There's uh, of course Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen Number Ten, uh, close. I would up. like that. It's it was fun. Uh, and I'm just not making any effort to keep up with it. The first time I've read a, a, an issue of Savage Dragon in about 10 years, number 248. Oh, I, God. I, I still can't believe that that's coming out. I mean, this is this is by Eric Larson still, written and drawn. And uh, Hey, man, if you've got something that kicks, that, that like you've got a fan base for, and it kicks some ass, you know, maybe, maybe I only ever publish one book. Maybe I publish one book and... Uh, six more, and nobody cares. Like maybe I only have a mediocre fan base. I've been thinking about that lately because well, uh, I wouldn't call I've it a. Pay- I wouldn't call it a mediocre fan base. I mean, because when you're talking okay. about dudes that have like one main thing they're known for, like Mike Mignola with Hellboy, uh, Eric Larson uh, with Savage Dragon, as opposed to like you yeah. forget about his epic runs on Spider Man, or if you you forget about the awesome run that uh, Mignola did. He did the Bram Stoker uh, Dracula Tops comics movie adaptation comics. Oh, the, dude. Those were so yes. those were so juicy, and uh, uh-huh. and you would. I remember if I'd have seen this on the stand when I was a kid, I would have been like, "Ugh, cash grab. This artwork sucks," <laughs> and I'm too stupid to appreciate how like the 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 theme to it in terms of his style and light and dark use. Um, uh, or or uh, good points. What's the dude All that uh, good that Eric Powell, uh, known for the goon, <laughs> and but uh-huh. he, 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 uh, or he, a lot of people might not know he he did an off, awesome run called uh, Chimichanga about this little bearded girl uh, working in a freak show, and she's got this huge monster as her pal. I mean it's fun <laughs> as hell. Uh, he also did one called Oh my God, I'm I'm spacing on the name. It's basically uh, a little person uh, ex Vietnam crazy son of a bitch that gets put in a really bad situation and uh tall man problems short man problems something like that i can't remember what it was called um but i see sorry i totally hijacked you on that no stuff. no i see i just hijacked you i see what you're saying uh <laughs> if if you're just known for one thing why the hell not and and the people that love you man like 
the the comic stores they know when you're a Larson fan. Like when I when I went in to get uh, Big Man problems or Little Man problems um, over at Muse Comics, it was one of those things where uh, George, who uh, uh, r- helps run the place, him and his wife own it, mm-hmm. was like, "You like your you like Powell?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, I've got like every issue of the Goon ever." And he's like, "I have been holding on to something for years." For the right person. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I'll be right back. And like five minutes later, he reappears from the back storage area. And he's got like a three foot by foot and a half maybe uh, lenticular poster of the goon. Ooh. Like, you know one of the lenticular where you move it and you look at the side? I absolutely know. And he's yeah. like, I've had this for years waiting for the right guy to give it to. And I was like, how much do you want for it? He's like, dude, this is yours. And I was like, oh my God. See, that's the thing. <laughs> When you when you've established a relationship with a, with your comic book vendors, they're gonna remember. That's it. They're gonna remember what you want. My guys know I like Cosmic Marvel. They know that I'm a Star Trek guy, uh, and that goes back decades. Yep. I mean, I don't know that. I'm talking about the place that I get my books in Stillwater, Oklahoma, Legendary Comics, mm-hmm. and then if I was living in OKC, I'd be going down to Speeding Bullet, Norman. Right. And we reference these folks all the time. But I'm going to pick up books every place I go. Every time I go someplace, I'm always wanting to check out a new store. And it's always great when someone's like, oh, no, I remember you because you got that uh, rando whatever, you know. There was a store here. There's a store in, in OKC that was like, uh, I, can't, I, uh, I can't remember what it was called. Well, you and I have been there. But the dude, when I went in there and I was like, oh, no, I'm looking for Machine Man appearances and probably some early subby. And the dude was like, oh, wow. Come just, this way. <laughs> exactly. I, I will help you. I thought you were here for Deadpool. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what about my shirt makes you think I'm into Deadpool? Right. But, uh, yeah, man. So, yeah. So, sorry. What, okay. So, you're, you're talking about these the books you want to review this week. Yeah. Those are the ones I want to talk about. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple other books came out, but these were my favorite ones that I liked. Uh Getting them from Muse Comics, uh, George, Amanda, thank you, and I think her name is Jennifer, a very nice girl that is uh, third banana there, and of course, uh, <laughs> over at Iron Lion, uh, again, I can't thank you enough, uh, got my uh, pre-release pack from them for the new magic set, Ikoria, and I, this is my favorite magic set since the last Innistrad uh, came out like three, four years ago. And oh, Innistrad. The, that is safe. What a great place. <laughs> a very good place. Um, just the Ravenloft of uh, Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, just to just to touch on it real quick, it it's heavily focused on mutating your uh, creatures. Uh, one of the things I love so much about it is the artwork in this one is just off the charts, and they've invented so many different hybrid animals, like this nightmare squirrel or uh, <laughs> a porpoise fox. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. And then the the, the Goliath. There's this elk beast. Me- the Goliath? Is that what it is? The Goliath? The, the re- That's a cool name for anything, g- g- even if I did g- actually it. but the, it's actually called Ikoria Lair of the Behemoths. Um, okay, okay, legit. There are not... This is not going to be one of the things where you're like, oh, where's my Liliana? Uh-uh, we've got Luca, Coppercoat, Outcast. These planeswalkers mm-hmm. do some damage. And it's there. There are certain ones I, I feel a little bit better, like the the green one. Uh, she escapes my mind out of the moment. Uh, is she an elf? Uh, no, yeah, she is Vivian, a monster's advocate, uh, legendary planeswalker. 
I think she's been in other stuff, Wait, right? She, or she, she, she has been. She's new. She has been, okay. but uh, right off the bat, and this doesn't cost anything to use, that if it's your turn, you may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may cast oh. creature spells from the top of your library. So you don't even it doesn't even have to be in your damn hand. You don't even have to pay for it. As long as you have or have to you can pay for the, the the card that's on the top of your library. It doesn't even say shuffle. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um That's a cool effect. They've added they've started doing uh, where there's collector series where there's chase cards where it's it's a chase card of a chase card, full bleeding artwork, uh, different styles, the way that you would imagine like you know when like you pick up a heavy metal magazine, and you and most people that aren't educated in that would think that it's all like Boris Vallejo looking. No, it's all these different forms of artwork telling different types of stories in comic format. Uh, you know, in, in more lurid sense, it's like the one of the few remaining things of actual pulp fiction that I, I, I feel still yeah. is on the shelves. Uh, the the different the the mutate aspects of it, where you pay to mutate your dudes. Um, you get to cycle your cards, like you get to peek. And throw a card away, but you can also resurrect it from exile. I mean, there's a lot of fun things going on here. Uh, real quick, uh, if you guys aren't in the know about it, find the secret lair on the Wizards of the Coast website to find the even more chase cards where you got like 24 hours to buy something. For example, they did a huh. they did a uh, a set of uh, Godzilla cards where it's literally Godzilla. It's it's I I saw yeah. something about that. Somebody posted that online. They they take they take. I was like, is that for real? Yeah, it's it's for <laughs> real. They just take one card that's already established, remove that guy out of it, and just say it's Godzilla and put him in the background. <laughs> like when you uh like on Reddit when you see Why not? like when you on Reddit when you see guys that are like finding crappy paintings at uh, flea markets and then painting a monster in the <laughs> in it. Yes. Yeah. Not if it's a a reasonable contemporary trend. Yeah. It's it's, it's got its sense of humor. Uh, my kids, my little boy's mother, when we were seeing one another, uh, you know, te- a decade ago, she, uh, uh, she had a calendar. Her, her, her cousin is a, is an artist and she is, she has an incredible sense of humor. Um, and they both knew that they thought it was tacky to have like just old black and white photos of people in the forties or, you know, fifties, just having fun and being cool and beautiful and so she got her a she got she got my boy's mom a a calendar of those photos for her birthday and i know she just looked at it and was like what the what is this seriously <laughs> and just giggled in the corner because on every every page as you flip from every month there was some picture of these beautiful people like you know with windswept hair and whatever and these are just picture-perfect postcard images. But then she'd gone in and just, like, used a Sharpie and done a stick figure murderer in the background. <laughs> that was coming at him with a knife. That's awesome. And it just cracked us the hell up. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you have it. I mean, that kind of stuff. Contem- it's, 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 modern, it's modern graffiti. Uh, I dig it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good sense of humor. <laughs> or, like... Uh... The uh, infamous uh, the the uh, post war kiss. If you just like Photoshop, oh yeah, you just Photoshop two fat guys just going at it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh, it's or, so unfortunate or, how that or, has been. <laughs> put put Hitler just looking out from the side in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or you know, just like a time traveler or some craziness, jam that in there. 
it's just it's an iconic photo. It is really too bad. A to have discovered. I, I. It's not that it's. How do you, I don't even know how to approach this. It's too bad that the reality behind that photo is is so so unfortunate. Correct. Because it goes so far. I had one girl that I was seeing seriously years and years ago, and uh, I we we had stopped seeing one another by the time the Oklahoma City Thunder were in the finals, and you know they did not make it yeah uh versus the miami heat um they just totally choked i'm not gonna lie it was hard to take but if uh, we i knew that there would be an outrageous outrageous street party in front of that place oh yeah if the wind had come down and i was gonna find that girl and try to recreate that photo <laughs> you know and and like <laughs> I told her about it months later, and she was like, I would have been down for that. I was like, yeah, I'll bet. You should have let me know, because we could have got some guys to dress up as cops to like do a series of photos of you, like her slapping you, you getting arrested, <laughs> <laughs> you getting arrested, yeah, looking all yeah. sad in jail. But uh, the, the real meat and potatoes today is we're bringing back, uh, of course, our long box segment, segment and we mm-hmm. are... We're going to go through Craven's Last Hunt, guys. Now, uh, this is going to be... We'll get into it, actually. I'm not going to get into it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do the comics first, and we'll comics. get into Craven's Last Hunt. Do some... Gives, gives everybody the opportunity to go grab it off of their shelves, pull it out of their long boxes, uh, look it up, whatever you got to do so you know what we're talking about. Exactly. And... If you didn't already know. Yeah, I'm going to start with the Ludocrats. Number one, Kieran Gillian, mm-hmm. word scientist. That's how he uh, lays himself out here on this. Jim uh, <laughs> Rossignol, a further word scientist. Jess Stokely, pencils, inks. Uh, Demi Ergert. <laughs> That's oh it. boy, uh, term- we got one of those. They're, not Todd Allen's they're, or they're using a no, <laughs> whatever the name. It's a different word for artist. It's just old timey words. Uh, oh. Tamara Bonvillan. Palette Empress, Clayton Cowles, Word Visualization. Oh, the Palette Empress, I get mm-hmm. you. Uh, oh, yeah, so colorist. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fernando Arguello, Divine Flatterer. Chrissy Williams, Control Rod, uh, editor, I, I assume. I love the name Chrissy. Sergio Serrano, Arranger of Beautiful Things. And Cyrillic Megabiff, Conceptual Engineering. Love it. All right, That's so. That's his name, Cyrillic Megabiff? Megabiff. Cyrillic? Cyrillic Megabiff. That's an alphabet. Wow, okay, cool. I'm down. Go for it, dude. All right, so this is yet another image comic book that is a really talented artist and writer exploring their sexual fantasies. Right on. I I agree. Now, I do have to say that none of them... I I think that comics like this or Sex Criminals... Or uh, sex effects, or uh, there was even just one really lame one just called Sex. Uh, came out like four years <laughs> I ago. I think I saw that recently, yeah. yeah. Um, these are for people that like to dabble. In terms yeah. of... In terms of... They don't like to get tied up and beat up all the time. As opposed to... 
Grant Morrison, where God knows what happens in that man's bathroom, <laughs> bedroom, or whatever you want, or bathroom, where, where <laughs> wherever you can do things. Yeah, I imagine that if you're getting down with Grant Morrison and you're you're that that textbook person in a horror movie uh, that's like, yes, I want to know the secrets. I can handle it. And they're like, sure, buddy. And, <laughs> and they just get overwhelmed and they're begging for them to stop. This is not that case. This Sounds is like Hellraiser. Yeah, it's exactly like that. This is not the case. Uh, this is a mythological world with phantasmagoric characters that are... The artwork is a little... Um, it's a little whimsical. It's not as detailed as I'd like, especially since I can obviously tell they're doing it digital. There's a lot of missed opportunities coloring-wise. Uh, mm. But at the same time, though, I don't know how quickly they had to, to had to get this out. I don't know if this was made beforehand and you know uh, it was ready to hit the shelves, or this is one of the people that was ready to rock and pump something out in like a week or two, and that you know did it's coming out. It was funny. It. The, the characters were... I found no character I could relate to. Uh, we start... Oh, wow. Basically, we, we see these characters gearing up for a wedding. Uh, everyone knows that this is more of a praying mantis wedding where the, 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 the groom gets his head cut off because he's just simply not ludicrous enough. And he's begging them that he's like, no, I can be more ludicrous. And they're like, no, you're boring. And uh, he's been... <laughs> Uh, he's vanilla he's, in the... Uh, yeah. In the, in the <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, okay, so they cut his head off, and uh, the main character is this big fat dude that's just looking to get laid. And uh, he's he wants to attend the wedding completely covered in blood, and they coax him, like, no, you gotta wear clothes. The supreme uh, pope will be there. He, okay, okay, we'll wear clothes. And, you know, there's a lot of drinking. There's this weird semi... Like, if you were to go into the internet and have a party, uh, and everyone has a chair in front of each other with a buddy imbibing a drink, and they're just talking about ludicrous, fantastic things, and how everything bores them, and in roars this, in roars this uh, half-locomotive uh, woman with a heaving bosom, her, 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 um, what do you call it, her, not bustier, her more corset is more like the front of a locomotive, and it's definitely burning steam and she uh <laughs> it's not like a, a like a, ca- a cattle guard or something a cattle yeah cattle push or whatever that is yeah the, cattle ram i don't know what that's it's called. a little bit like that uh there's a little bit of a crossover from that comic from like six years ago casanova which i started reading which is really good but it was coming out during a really lean year and uh <laughs> they, they break the lines and like sort of like how Coldplay only exists because radio had <laughs> didn't have an album that year <laughs> and that's my opinion yeah God, I hate Coldplay. Oh, God. They've got their moments. Uh, Carry on. Well, uh, she sees the guy and wants to... One of the funniest parts, uh, they ask... uh, She inquires if this large gentleman is in the mood for mating. uh, And if he can... If his body can withstand 140,000 PSI. Uh, (laughs) And uh, party gets broken up. And uh, just have some fun. It's... it's, By whom? uh, By the... uh, Ultra Pope or whatever they called it. Oh, okay. Uh, KGB. There to bust up the party. Um, it was fun. Okay. It okay. was fun. I'm I'm happy that it wasn't uh, too short. Like it was definitely uh, uh, it was definitely dense. Uh, very emotive. Uh, it was something a little bit more palpable 
than what Karen Gillian usually puts out. Uh, I think you could give this to a friend and have a they could have a good chuckle and maybe maybe buy the trade paperback or if it, something that they would keep up with for six months, but only six are, months. Are you saying palpable or palatable? Palatable. Palatable. As opposed to his Star Wars run? Uh, I wouldn't even classify that as, as something. I don't know how, yeah, because... It's Star Wars. What comparison can you make? It's Star Wars. He was having fun, you know, enacting yeah. enacting his his childhood. Okay, but that's this is. I still like that Star Wars run better than any of the movies we've watched lately. You're, so. you're damn right about that. His run on Star Wars, Darth Vader, epic, epic stuff. Oh my god, yeah. That's pretty much all I got to say about that. Great art, good job, guys. I would give it maybe a six out of ten. Um, if you're just getting into comics or not as uh, seasoned as us. You would probably give it a solid eight, especially if you haven't really gotten your. Because <laughs> we're so bad. <clears throat> no, not at all. It's just more of a like we've seen a lot of similar things. Uh, I can imagine this would blow someone's top off if it was the first time they got a hold of something that was um, so overtly sexual <laughs> without showing lots of nudity or or really getting into. So it's it. not tarot. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's not that hipster. Let's explore our sexuality and throw some hard stuff at you right off the bat that you uh-huh. are expected to immediately like be okay with. Like you like this is dipping your. This is when like a little kid uh, is getting brave enough to try salsa and just puts the end of the Dorito, the tiny little tip. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it 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 was like that. It was fun. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're, uh, they're not experienced enough to actually want to eat pepperoni. It's got to be a cheese pizza, right? It's maybe. <laughs> maybe they might accidentally find a pepperoni on there and be okay with it and have be brave enough to to try mm. it out. Uh, but anyway, it's that's like a little finger in the butt. <laughs> just just when you're feeling squirrely. <laughs> oh, right. Wow, we're revealing some things, aren't we? <laughs> Just uh, all right. So the Dollhouse family, uh, part of Joe Hill's <laughs> okay. uh, comic line in DC. Uh, Mr. Carey, writer. Peter Gross, layouts. Uh, Vince Locke finishes. Chris Peter colors. Uh, Todd Klein letters. Jessica Dalva cover. Uh, Jay Antleseto and Ivan Nunez uh, variant cover. Issue Una. All right. So this is the end. I'm not going to spoil the ending for you guys because it's issue six. Uh, what I'm really going to get into is if you're just finding uh, the Dollhouse family, you really got to rewind on this one. This is one of the better Joe Hill comic books that are out there at the moment. Um, there's a serious payoff because throughout issues one through five, you don't really get to see the monster under the bed. It will, actually, there's a secret room in the Dollhouse that is somehow connected to a lineage that is picking these people out of time and sticking them in this dollhouse and slowly but surely collecting uh, this family for some nefarious reason. And the the newest family that it's going after uh, really bands together. And it goes from a Victorian-era styled comic from the beginning to slowly into more of a modern term. And it does so in the horror aspect because... Throughout the throughout the comic, they they explore different themes of like when you're watching a horror movie where this is a slasher flick, flick, and uh, you know that's it's right up in your face, or this is more of a psychological one, and you got to really be scared of what's hiding in the in, in the darkness. And this one brings it all full force, where you're watching. I don't want to say where it was like gory, like Dead Alive, where it was just over the top, yeah. but the monster. Uh, when you finally get to see the payoff of the monster, 
it was more of a um it was that it was like when when they first show quad quado was it quado in total recall quado yeah when they totally first show quado. total recall you're like holy shit like like okay dude that was a mind <laughs> f right it, there that was such a thing yes and this comes out of out of nowhere it's a little bit more extreme and overwhelming as opposed to something that you could reach out and touch you would not want to be anywhere within the, a football's field worth close or 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 <laughs> playing doom like this guy could have been a, a a bad guy in 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 the original doom series uh a lot of fun totally worth it if you guys like this you definitely have to get the first trade paperback if something is killing the children we've reviewed it before right uh other other joe hill comics that are coming out right now that are finishing up is uh six heads uh, three heads in a basket um God, there's what about the trees? There's like two of the the other ones. The, the one, I'm, I've mentioned the ones that I, I feel are the, the the better ones. Not that the other ones aren't as good. Uh, I just simply just can't remember off the top of my head because they didn't really strike me as hard as you know. You know me, man. If I love it, it's it's in there forever. If not, mm-hmm. it'll you know, give me a minute. But it hey, comics are coming out, guys. Um, some of them are doing curbside pickup. Just give them a call. Or some of them, oh, yeah. some of them will let you go in. Uh, if you're going into Muse. Wear your fucking mask. They're at yeah. Uh, wear them anywhere. It doesn't make the, any difference. I, I, I mean, just it, wear a, the freaking mask. It's it's a you got to think it's a, all of that material. Uh, agreed, but even then, it's uh, I don't want to get too political, but it's a I don't want to infringe on anyone's personal choice, which is what is really fucking with people right now. Is their personal choice of what they deem is appropriate or what they should and should not be able to do? Because there's a lot of different uh, aspects that we're not simply seeing. But this is their store. Uh, obey their rules. Period. Like, if you came into my house with uh, muddy shoes, take your shoes off, dude. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Like, and like, well, okay, then leave. Well, I, I, I have the right to be here. No, you don't. This is my, this is my place. Of course, I, I sincerely doubt they would ever do that because these guys are sweethearts. They're simply doing their best for everyone that they can. And like you said, there's a lot of material in there. Um... You you can't bleach a cover of a comic book, guys. <laughs> you can't. They're only oh man, yeah. You can, you're not gonna put every single like um, if they if they. I'm in a I'm in a in a thing with some uh, with my my day job, if you want to call it that, my career, where I've got people who are trying to start going back to work, and I'm like, dude, you guys. We're talking about liabilities. We're talking about right. all kinds of dangerous stuff. Like we're talking about people who can get sued, and there's a lot of people passing the buck about who's going to say that it's safe enough to go back to work. And when you're talking about people who are, you're, you're going to go into a place, and whether or not there's, I'm not, I'm not saying this is how you do it, but I'm saying if there's a thing that you got a place where they're counting people, oh, there can only be ten people in the store, yeah, or whatever. Go with it, you know? You're obviously going to go with it. Get your stuff and get out. Limit your time in there. It's just, it's incredible to me that the the uh, the entire aspect of this, anybody can be a carrier and not know it for a long time right. before they actually start being symptomatic. You can be an asymptomatic carrier. I mean, it's just the thing. When you go to those comic book stores, the amount of time that someone's going to take to put... This is our display copy. This is the one. It's in plastic. <laughs> yeah. This is our display copy. Oh, have you guys got this? Yeah, I've totally got like six more copies. Back. You want one? Okay, cool. I'll build you a stack here at the counter. What do you want to get? You know, oh, I want to go through back issues. 
I hope you're wearing gloves and a mask. Yeah. Because if you're going to look at that <clears throat> stuff, we're ta- we talk about how long... And that's, it's still speculative. It's speculative. We thought we knew what we were doing, and now it turns out maybe not, because I'm seeing reports where it's like, yeah, maybe you don't get sick by picking stuff up by touching it. But, like, if you're going in and you're touching every back issue mm-hmm. in the... Um, in the Fantastic Four section or something like that. I mean, come on. It's, it, it, you're just leaving a bunch of... You're leaving a trail of sick breadcrumbs. The, what I would really like to hammer home is respect people's personal preferences and respect their distance. Respect what... Just respect them. If it's someone else's institution, like you're walking into Walmart like you own the damn place because you're a customer, they can kick your ass out. They can drag your ass kicking and screaming if they wanted to. Uh, they probably That's totally true. I think I saw that happening today, in fact. But it, it's it's just a matter of respect people's wishes. This is this is not your house. This is not this place yeah. does not belong to you. Uh, you're, th- this is like if you see people walking with masks on outside and you think it's stupid because no one's around and you're walking up, you're about to walk past them. Walk around them. Give them their space. Yeah, seriously, stand there. Let them go by. I mean. Yeah, there's a there's a pre- uh, you know what? Hey, yeah, yeah we're going down a whole thing. But like, when we're talking about comic book stores. I mean, guys, come on. You're buying stuff from these people. You're you go in there every week. You go in there every week when you can go in there and you pick materials up. And if these guys know who you are and they know what your preferences are, don't be a dick about it. Which isn't to say that we think this is going on everywhere. It's just what it is. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just right now, maybe a little bit more respect is what we need. That precise. So we don't need. Precisely. We don't need a helmet law for motorcycles right now. Mm-hmm. What we need is basic respect. Basic. Don't give people a hard time because of the way they want to handle this thing, whether you're for or against whatever anybody is telling you is the best possible suggestion well you gotta anyway you gotta realize that everyone is scared right now and full of fear and how people deal with fear is one of the best things about craven's last hunt dude yeah for real this whole book is about fear and identity and uh what skin are you gonna wear i think um or yeah yeah who, let's who am let's, i let's start this. this is yeah exactly you know the end of spy end of amazing spider-man one who am i that's the question. Uh, we're we're totally going to dive into this. Let's uh, what what let me let's go into this real quick because I know, I mean I definitely <laughs> this is what drives me nuts. We totally paid to read these online, and then I managed to find my physical copy that I've had forever since like nineteen ninety right. or ninety one or something. Right, because this is on uh, this is on the app, real quick, guys. It's on the Marvel app, dude. For real, it's on the app. But I'm gonna say if you can fi- you can find copies of this in trade paperback. It's around. Mm-hmm. If you have read this, check in. Tell us you read that. That would be great. We'd love to know how many people already read this and liked what we're talking about and if you have if you when we get through this you know and you got something to say about it hit us up we'd love to hear from you about it if you've never read this and you're looking for a copy of it check with your retailer it's, they're gonna they're gonna let you know it's 100 uh, it's 100 something that you uh is a is essential reading if you're a comic book fan or especially a spidey fan and it's hard to say it's hard to say that because you get it's like when if you're in a hard in hard rock and like what you don't know anything about uh, Jimmy Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin or Ozzy, uh, then and you only like the new stuff. F you. No no no. That's that's not what we're talking about. That's not how we're approaching this. 
uh, it would definitely empower you as a reader, a uh, lover of art, lover of just reading a good comic story to definitely uh, invest in this just to have it and uh, honestly just to give it away to somebody because this is one of those books oh, that yeah. should be a traveling book. <laughs> we've all had them. Oh, for real. We've all had them. We've all have a book that we should have given back to a friend, but they weren't pissed off and it's been five years and... Ah, whatever. And then you end up giving it to someone else. That that, and then it just it travels, and it, <laughs> it, it, it's supposed to be that way. I, I like that sort of idea when it comes to books. Craven's Last Hunt. What year are we talking here? Uh, eighty nine ninety. Eighty uh, eighty nine eighty nine ninety because this is pre pre McFarlane taking over in in Amazing Spider Man before we really get into symbiotes in terms of it, Let- it being an actual character. Let me lay out what this is. This is a, this is a cross-title promotional event, but within the Spider-Man franchise. This didn't go over into whatever, like Evolutionary War or Galactic Storm or something. This was just within the the Spidey titles that were current at the time. Uh, do you, do you want to read off the issues? And I'll, yeah. then I'll do the credits, or I, I've got them right here. Yeah, okay. Whatever you want to do. All right, so uh, one of the things you got to realize is that Salakrup and DeFalco made the conscious idea that this has to be a cross-Spidey event if they were going to quote-unquote kill Spidey or hint that Spidey is dead uh, in, in order to... Because if this was just going on in Web of Spider-Man, uh, is anyone really going to take it seriously from a, the, the, the C-list Spidey going on as opposed to if this was just only going on in Amazing Spider-Man. So it went through all, uh, it went through Spectacular, it went through Web, it went through Amazing. Uh, you know, that was something they had to fight. The writer himself uh, actually brought this idea uh, many times and was rejected because it was, in the original ideas were somewhat similar to uh, things that were happening in DC, uh, like uh, the, the Killing Joke. Uh, in fact, this is something that, that was a, an idea that was passed along until it landed in into a, the Spidey verse to take a big idea and use this character and perpetuate a, a story. It really didn't matter which character that it, it landed with, whether it was someone in DC or, or Marvel, in terms of the the main ideas that they're trying to push. But certainly, it was going to resonate with the specific superhero because of their own situations that we're all you know involved in. So we're looking at, pulling up my notes here, uh, Web of Spider-Man, number 31, part one. Part two, Amazing Spider-Man 293. So we're seven issues away. Mm. Seven issues away from 300, guys. Uh, Number three, where are you? Wow. The reason why 300 being, like, did McFarlane come in on 300 or was it like 297? It was like 297. Okay, got you. Yeah. Like, like big, like you said, big time Venom yeah. thing coming up, and that that's where that's that's something we had a conversation about yeah. at the before we got on the show here. So sorry. Part uh, chapter three, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man number one thirty-one, uh, part four, Web of Spider-Man. Um, let's see, got them spacing here. I'm trying to read this. Uh, number, sorry, I'm number, flipping number, pages. Web of Spider-Man okay. number thirty-two, number five, uh-huh. Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man number one thirty-two. And issue six, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man. Wow. Was it? Wait a minute. Was it Amazing Spider-Man two ninety four? Amazing Spider-Man two ninety two ninety four is number five. Number okay, gotcha. Number sorry, I'm getting spacey here. Number six, I was panicking. Number six, Peter Parker and Spectacular Spider-Man. 
which is if we're effing this up, we'll print yeah. it up when we, you know it'll be <laughs> one, part of the one, part of the part of the stuff that you're looking at. You by now you've already seen it, folks. One thirty-two. Uh, uh, give us the uh, writer and artist. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm, I've got my first printing trade paperback here that I'm very happy about. Uh, it's it's a gorgeous cover, uh, by the way. It's really cool. Yeah, we're gonna we're uh, gonna put we'll, it in, okay, our, in I'll our post. I'll explain it in a second. Yeah. Uh, so this was uh, written by J. Dematis, uh, or J. M. Dematis, uh, penciler Mike Zek, Zek, inker Bob McCloud, letterer Rick Parker, and then uh, Mike Zek and Ian. Tetralt as the colorists. Um, what else have we got? Because there were other credits I wanted to go so far. Uh, this this is part of an era for sure. Because this is when Tom DeFalco was the EIC, the editor-in-chief. Uh, Jim Salakrup was the editor on this book at the time. Glenn Herdling was an associate editor. Don Giger and Mike Zek were the designers. Yes. So Mike is all over this thing. Yeah, Zek, Zek uh, is a god in this. Oh, yeah. Virginia Romita was the traffic and production manager. That's a fascinating title with a slash in it. Huh. I feel like I wonder how much. I feel like we saw photos of her in Jim Shooter's private uh, uh, collection of um, in his scrapbook. It could be, man. The next time we run into him, we need to we need to we need to ask him about some of these people some more. Uh, Allison Gill is the manufacturing coordinator. Jack Abel is the proofreader. And the Craven logo was designed by Ken Lopez. Bang, dude! I always all, reference back to that stuff. All deserve the credit. The logo for one character. When we talk about, like, you you get into a page of the X-Men or something, and every character has their own logo. Yeah, just like the, like, in the, the, the titles for the, the first X-Men uh, animated show. And, like, the, it's, the, uh-huh. it's the legit Wolverine logo. <laughs> yeah, Totally. Oh my gosh! No, yeah. So the Craven logo on the front cover of this is what we're talking about because some of these some of these credits probably pertain to this collected volume. So, li- okay. So the 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 how do I get this? Yeah, it was probably I was in middle school, and I had a really good buddy, uh, Elias, and uh, we're still friends. And I see him every so often in my hometown. He's in and out of town for one venture or another. So he's a drifter? And, you, you literally yeah. had Elias the drifter Shut as a friend? <laughs> Shut it. <laughs> uh, no, he's not a drifter. Um, he, he is a man with amazing ideas, and he manages to capitalize on them in, in crazy ways. Uh, but uh, So yeah, I mean, when I was in middle school, um, oh man, I was, I was, I was a dork man i was a skinny unfortunate dweeb and uh i remember getting picked on day after day out uh, at lunch after lunch me too and um, me too it's a badge of honor uh, i wear yeah i mean it defines you it's terrible that it lasts that long and uh <laughs> so elias and a guy named dave and i we were all buddies and um we would we decided we were going to sneak away to the library after lunch in in the school rather than go out on the field and get picked on and get forced into probably getting into a fist fight. Yeah. Cuz that happened. And um we would go in there and we would visit and talk about stuff and and draw. We were always drawing and those guys were into musculature. They liked grabbing the muscle magazines and then trying to duplicate the musculature that they were seeing in the photos. Good way of practice for any artist. And they were doing it in an effort to create really impressive-looking Ninja Turtles. 
And my Ninja Turtles were always based around around the kind of slapstick Archie version of the turtles my original the archie comics my, they were easy and yeah and like yeah and so and, and the tv the cartoon yeah you start but, start with the headband and then the dome and then you <laughs> exactly yeah. it was a process yeah. it's like how i draw Odie from garfield yeah. uh i mean just like you start with one eyeball and go from there it just blows out anyway so it came to be my birthday that year and elias and i were super tight and he came to my birthday which i think was at like a sirloin stockade or something i don't even know it's awesome uh and uh i cannot believe how special i felt because i had been going to comic book stores picking up comico robotech comics and like there were some of them that were worth more than i could afford and i was like oh man a buck i can do a buck here i can do yeah. a buck there or a quarter or whatever but then it was like this one's five dollars ouch yeah ah, that's a nail biter <laughs> yeah. why is that five bucks here he comes with what I, I'm pretty sure, because I, I don't have the physical copy in front of me, I still have it. It's just in another town. Uh, with that first, with that amazing Spider-Man 293. And I was like, dude, what what did this go for? This is like, this isn't new. Yeah. This, and it just blew my mind that he would spend any money on me. And, you know, dude, it was probably five bucks. It was probably six dollars. Yeah. I think the actual price tag is still on that one. That's a conversation and, uh, That's a conversation with a mom or dad, like, hey, come on, I need you to hook it up for my buddy. Oh, man, I don't even know. I mean, like, what kind of allowance he was pulling down back then. But he got me that, and I, I, I looked into, the, into it, and I was like, this is, I didn't even have the words. I was like, this, is, this book is cerebral. Yeah. Like, there is something going on here about ego and id i can't even understand it's definitely like man's work right here it's definitely and then there was so much nudity <laughs> male nudity uh male not that nudity. that was a problem but it was something that was that sticks out i mean obviously they weren't they weren't showing like full anything but it was you know when you're reading stuff like that it's as a kid like you immediately shut it really quick to see who's looking around regardless oh god no i I remember i was like oh yeah no like i don't know if i'm supposed to show anybody this and i'm ilping this at a dinner table with my family around me and i was like holy moly but like it was the it was the opposite of like when you first get your first like skin rag you know uh (laughs) like yeah you're you're you know it's too adult for you but you're enjoying it anyway um but Mm -hmm. but I, i say opposite in the sense like i'm gonna read this and then I'm gonna read it again, and then and then and then deep down inside, you know, it's gonna take you 10, 15 years to have the maturity to understand what is truly happening here. This is a book that should absolutely be taught in collegiate level classes for uh, mandatory reading, uh, whether you like it or not. Even if it's like a uh, the type of uh, comic book course where they're making you read the Sandman, I would make someone read Craven's Last Hunt because of the cerebral quality of it, the because of it. it you have to understand fear and what fear can do to you. Um, and also that the villain himself is terrified throughout the whole damn thing. And you don't realize it until it's either too late or or maybe early on. It doesn't really matter. Everyone is controlled yeah. by fear. Mary Jane, uh, uh, Vermin, Parker, uh, also Spider-Man, which is a completely separate entity in this one in two different forms. Uh, Craven. Uh, his oh, I'd go so far as to say three. Three, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Because I feel like that was the surprise that we just didn't realize three. for some reason when we were talking yeah. about this before. So let's uh, let's jump into the first one. We're looking at Web of Spider-Man number thirty-one. Uh, what are your first thoughts about this one? 
You, um, let me see. I'm gonna flip into this. You, I, I, I remember as a kid, I was just like, "Holy crap!" This cover, like Spider-Man, is about to get gunned down, mm-hmm. and uh, he's in a net, and it was just like, "Oh man, the peril!" Yeah, the peril. The first page is a is a full page of Craven the Hunter, and he is nude, and he is surrounded by mists. So you know what it is. You know, it's either it's a steamy scene, or he's got smudge pots going. He is in a ritual mentality. And maybe there's trance involved. Maybe there's like jungle potions involved. But there's drums for whatever reason, or it could be incense. There's any number of things happening here. And he goes after a stuffed black panther. Uh, I remember seeing him go after these animals. I have that in my notes and, as well. That he yeah, he, go, he goes after he the mirrors. Sorry. Yeah, he goes after the uh, the taxidermy animals. Uh huh. And I did, I don't remember ever thinking these were taxidermy. For some reason, I thought, oh, my God, he just took out he just like decapitated this gorilla or baboon or something like that with one good, solid palm heel strike. Mm. And I was as a kid, I was just like, this is freaking graphic. Yeah. Like this is intense. Uh, It's not it just it's not somehow or another. Yeah. It's not a bunch of hokey ass uh, villains in their secret lair. Pining their fingers together, how are we going to kill the spider? Uh, no. No, this is straight up intimacy. This is in the in the privacy of his own home. This is this is this is a, a window into Craven's personal experience, and we've never seen him like this before. A little a little note on what Craven is. He, like, I loved what they did with him in the Ultimate Universe, where he was like a reality TV star, a hunter. And he came to New York to hunt Spider-Man. And then as soon as he and Spider-Man got, like, within eyeshot of each other, the event or the Ultimates just show up and we're like, nope, you're uh, violating a <laughs> lot of laws going after a human being. Yeah. And you're just done. Dude, the lead up to that, that was a great issue. That's awesome. I thought that was hilarious. And it, it was fun because it parallels more or less what happened in the original uh, issues involving Craven. Craven was the world's foremost hunter. He came to New York to get Spider-Man. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, he's this wealthy, amazing, you know, super guy. And uh, yeah, he corners Spider-Man. He traps him in Central Park and they have it out. And um, Spidey defeats him and then he gets deported. <laughs> like, he's a, he's a Russian, he's a Russian national. Uh, probably... I'm not. I don't, I'm not going to say because the original one. I don't know. Was he a Soviet national or was he a Russian national? Because the concept of exile, for whatever reason, there's a whole lot to go with there. But the yeah. Russians were always the bad guys in the '60s when Spidey was coming out initially. He got exiled and then he comes back later and he helps out uh, the Chameleon. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot going on with that. But then uh, he, because of this defeat. Because of this one defeat, he targets Spider-Man again and again and again because it's an embarrassment. It's a shame to have been defeated by this by the spider. So we're getting this inner monologue in this book where we're talking where where Craven is just reiterating to himself while he's going about his his business after a relaxing taxidermy attack. <laughs> 
Uh, well, well, that we're we're seeing about fear, about fear. But also, before mm-hmm. you get the fear, what we really got to focus on is that he finally had his shame because he is focused intently on the shame of his father, uh, the exile there, uh, the madness of his mother, and now he has his own shame. He is now, uh, he's now in, in a in a way uh, maybe even unclean. Like he's no longer the shining. Uh, monument of what his family should have been. He's also been shamed. Nice. And nice. It, it's honor. It, it, yeah, his honor's been ruined. And I, I do have to reiterate to all all you minefielders out there that you would assume that when you're seeing a guy attack his taxidermy animals naked uh, in full seance uh, ritual, ritual, like you said, full myriad of things are going on. I do not in any way or in one bit of my mind thought that he was mad or in some sort of madness i think he was thinking oh, right i i i think he was thinking as clear as possible whether he'd taken some psychedelic drugs which i i don't advocate uh, i know some people really you know it really gets them to where they need to go in terms of writing or or, or finding some sort of uh self-healing or peace um this is not madness maybe a bit of mania but certainly not evil or madness i i i in no way saw evil or madness in this at all. This is a hyper focused man on his on his uh, intent, and we're talking about fear. I I feel like there's a degree there's a, like a tremendous depression though because agreed agreed. In addition to it's it's amazing because you can swing from one to the next. So I I like the idea that there's some mania because as soon as he has this I'm going to say workout, yeah. he is immediately saddened because he doesn't have that going for him anymore. He goes into the he he's in some like I don't know Long Island manor that he owns. It's probably his family's fortune that this is an older home from the Twenties, mm-hmm. thirties, or something like that, and uh, um, he's in the family chapel. There's an open coffin, and inside of it is a black and white Spider-Man costume. Correct, because this is the era of the black costume. And when you look at the first couple of pages here, and you get to that, you initially see this costume, and you're like, okay, is this Star Trek two? Like, who's gonna die? Yeah, who's, something's gonna happen. Whose coffin and is like, that? Exactly. You you think is Spider Man already dead, and is this costume just what's left? There, you just don't know what to do with this yet. Well, well, uh, before uh, uh, just real quick, one of my notes is what was the traditional Russian religion? I mean, are we talking like Orthodox Catholic or that's right? Yeah, uh, Russian Orthodox uh, Catholic yeah, or, or, or Christian uh, Orthodox is heavy on that one. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, it's especially Christian. Of course, there were definitely Jewish, uh, I don't know, contingent elements. The Jew, the Jewish element was not really allowed to leave Soviet Russia. Um, and they were more or less punished and right. You know, not to go too far down a rabbit hole. Uh, don't forget that he's also, uh, doing the one thing that people try to do when they're trying to defeat their enemies, become the enemy. He's eating all of these spiders. I mean, he's diving... Oh, we haven't even got to that. Yeah, he's, di- well, this, he's diving naked into these bins of, <laughs> of spiders. It just Yeah, a little while later, yeah, that's what... We, and, and that's the craziness. Like, is he actually able to take on some form of spider powers? 
Because later we see, because that's the whole thing. He ends up becoming Spider-Man. It's all mental. It's all mental. He goes. He goes out. Uh, at, he goes out as Craven, finds Spider-Man, who is lamenting the death of a low-level stool pigeon. Yeah, and uh, that was a great little spice on this. It really was. I mean, because it's it's all about death. So, I mean, you know, you've got a legit character who died there, and then later we're going to see the ghost of Ned Leeds for a second. It's, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, I, I would assume, an inspiration for uh, the Neil Gaiman two-issue uh, Batman post-R.I.P., where um, mm. where Alfred has the funeral for, for Batman and all the, the bad guys show up to actually pay their respects. And Spidey's showing up to pay his respects. It's just just real quick, not to get too far on that one. I apologize. I, I'm just I'm just thinking that we, we've got he's trying to become it, uh, in in getting into the spiders uh, and all of the spiders eating them, getting bitten by them. Uh, I definitely think it's mental uh, of of being able yeah. to uh, absorb the spider, uh, also to overwhelm yourself because you are scared of the spider because he has defeated you, and this is his prep for for the last hunt, and then we we land on that scene where Spidey is figuring out that he's in you know, some crosshairs and gets hit with a a a, a dart with some yeah. jungle juice potion, and we think he's dead. And uh, question: When this happened, was it a big deal? Like when Superman died, or was this something more of a we know he's not really really dead? And this is something that's going on with Craven. Did, did they hype this as one of the death issues, and everyone was like going at it? Or I, I do not know the answer to that. My uh, because when I got this, when I when I was given this book, it, it was already a back issue. It was it was worth more than the cover price, and um, and. Uh, Therein lies the whole thing. I knew as soon as I opened this that I was reading something that was a focal point. Okay. That this was a big, big deal. Because this book did not read like any of the other Spider-Man books or Dark Hawk or anything else that I was reading back then. It, this just did not have any of the same formula or flow. Uh, this is all... In this is all conversations coming from somebody's mind. Okay, like there's hardly any dialogue in this, and uh, so yeah, I, I couldn't say. I would, I would, I, I can think of some guys that are worth asking for mm-hmm. sure. Anybody that knows the answer to that, hit us up. Let us know. Now, I know we're not live or anything, mm-hmm. but write to us and tell us if yeah. you remember when this was going on. Uh, last thought. My last thought is actually your last thought in our notes before we started recording was that this book mm-hmm. is about identity uh, because Spidey's struggling yeah. with his identity in this as well. Uh, he's just moved in into, uh, and this is such a, a, a drastic uh, flip from what you see in McFarlane. The the apartment is it looks like a shitty little New York apartment as opposed yeah, really as does. opposed to that beautiful giant Manhattan skyrise that McFarlane has him in. Uh, that's a beautiful loft that everyone would you know give their eye teeth for. Um, mm-hmm. Craven's struggling with his identity, and we're about to move on into the next issue. Do you have any uh, final thoughts? I was just gonna say when we do see Peter in those places, I really appreciate the coloring. 
Uh, he's he's pretty washed out looking, and I know that's just supposed to be flesh tone. But whenever we see Craven, we see this this gradient of tan, and I don't know if that's just because he's got like a Slavic color to his skin or what, or if it's just supposed to be evidence of Peter is in a washed out, not so great looking place, and like so he has. You know, overwhelming light bulbs or something like that. That's a good point. Like, uh, I think yeah. I think it's more of a like if you saw like someone who said uh, fancied themselves an explorer or some sort of hunter, and they didn't have a few scars on their face and a in a fantastic tan, you wouldn't believe them. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, all right, uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, chapter two, Amazing Spider-Man number two ninety three. Um, I'm saying that this is where. The chess pieces get set up. This is, this is where the yeah, fear yeah. really, really uh, goes into play, and we start seeing all the major players that are going to end up finishing this game or hunt. I feel like they go to an extreme at the beginning to foreshadow. It's like, why is there a rat running around? Well, it's just like foreshadowing another character that's definitely going to come into play, and you flip the page, and here we are with... Uh, Vermin. With vermin, yeah. Uh, a Who, like at the time, I had no idea. He, F he's not even a, he wasn't even a D list yeah, guy. Yeah, F list guy. Oh man, F list. He was a, yeah, like way down there. He was a Captain America baddie. He was part of Zemo's crew. And uh, he was part of Zemo's crew. Yeah, he was. I did not get that. I I read vermin appear like the first vermin appearance. Uh, just in 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 uh, anticipation of what we were going to do with this. And he was really didn't get any didn't get any insight into it. I was way more amazed with Sam Wilson, the Falcon, uh, deciding to run for office by the end of it. I was like, damn, I want to read more Captain America just to see how that goes. Agreed. Um, I got to stop you there because if I get into Falcon, then we're never going to stop. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I, I, all right, so he's a Captain America F-lister. He's basically one of Zemo's lackey scientist guys. Uh, experiment goes wrong. Zemo turns on him, turns into vermin. Uh, many iterations where he's trying to get back to being a human. He succeeds. Zemo turns him back, brings him back into the fold. No way! Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe, like... Okay, there's a failure right there because... In looking for those, the 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 uh, encyclopedic aspect of one of the elements I was looking at did not show any of that information. So, uh, I when when you get into it later, and Captain America does not appear in Craven's Last Hunt, but he's a ghost. He <laughs> he's a ghost, definitely. He is, he is referenced by. Um, by vermin as oh you know captain flag beat me beat me and hit me and hurt me and hit me and hurt me and like so that's the only thing that i read and i was just like well, how did this even happen all right great man i'm glad you caught on to that because i did not get that stuff. now it definitely will add knowing that will add an exclamation point to the ferality that vermin is in at the moment and he can't even leave the sores he's so scared he's doing everything he can just to survive he barely remembers he even might have been or could have been human he just remembers the 
pain that was inflicted upon him by Captain America and Spider-Man. He barely recognizes a woman on the street when he manages to poke his head out of the out of the sewer for a moment here. Uh, and even recognition doesn't I don't even know if that comes into play as much. He's not using his eyes, it's his sense of smell. He smells her perfume. Yeah, the perfume. And that is he eats her. I mean, that's how he is how he is surviving. He's not eating his rats and somehow he has like a horde of rats that helps him out uh, to a degree, but like, so he has some kind of mental wherewithal over them, but uh, he's eating people on the streets. So this comes out of a very dark period in crime in uh, New York City, where things were not cleaned up and family friendly, and uh, I mean that was Times Square in the in the seventies and eighties. You know, I'm so glad you go back and watch. Huh? I'm so glad you brought that up because this is something that you that you might not have gotten if you're reading this because back in the late '80s uh, and you were I was seven years old in 1989. Um, I didn't know what a pedophile was. I didn't know what a serial killer was. Uh, th- that was not a word that was on everyone's lips that understood those sort of things. Like you, when you walked home from school, uh, you were just told not to talk to strangers. You weren't warned that you could be seduced into a van or or tricked beyond your, your possibly con- possible conception to, for these hidden things in, in 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 the darkness. And that sort of knowledge really resonated with me. Now rereading it and understanding those things that uh serial killers will play off of smell that you smelt like their mother or uh or a or or a former lover and like okay so vermin isn't raping these women he's oh dude let me jump in real quick do it this is a side a side piece but did you ever see the movie perfume yes yes (laughs) oh god everybody (laughs) i mean if you're into serial killer stories if you're into alan rickman if you're into Dustin Hoffman, if you're into weird movies about France in the, I don't know what, what time period was that movie set in? I don't even know. Uh, that movie is phenomenal. Uh, a, a poor, you know, I don't know if a poor urchin grows up with a superpower, a sense of smell yeah. that no one can, can beat. And he ingratiates himself into a perfumer's, uh, apprenticeship, basically, with a guy who is famous because he created a perfume that everybody loved, and he the guy's trying to recapture that that former glory, and uh, the guy's like, oh no, well I can smell all of these things and blah blah. Oh dude, it's incredible. It's it's horrifying. And then he it's goes a, on a killing it's a perfect trying to find a way perfect parallel to uh, recapture somebody's smell. Dude, yeah, that's a nuts. It's nuts that you brought that up. Oh, man, that's messed up, the the idea of the smell. I can still remember the way my first girlfriend smelled, the perfume she had, and any time I've encountered somebody with it, that I'm like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And they tell me, and I'm like, that didn't even exist in 1995. Okay. Like, I can't even believe that... What uh, anyway? It's messed up. Bring us, uh, bring us home when it comes to vermin. What's the yeah, What's yeah. the purpose of vermin what, the, uh, being a, a player on this chessboard? Well, that's the crazy aspect of it is in the end, I still, even though he is well executed in this story, I still look at it and I'm like, why is this something? I didn't realize what it was, even though it's completely obvious if you read it, uh, until you explained it a minute ago. 
And it might be better saved until the end, but the idea of vermin is um, better suited for when Spider-Man... You know, when the when we come full circle and it's Spider-Man's story... I, I see again. what you're saying. We'll save it for later. Yeah. I see what you're... Let's save it for later. The point I want to make now in looking at it is that everybody's internal monologue is right there on their sleeve in this. This isn't, like I said, there's not a lot of dialogue going on. There aren't, there aren't a lot of conversations in this entire storyline. Great point. It's all about what people are thinking and how they're articulating this in their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so... When Mary Jane leaves her apartment Thank you. looking for Peter, where is he? It's, 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 this isn't a damsel in distress, as you put it earlier. It's Princess Leia, totally capable, totally in charge of herself. I'm scared, but I'm going to fight the fright, and I'm going to go out there and look for my man. They just got married in this. Correct. Before this, right before these, this storyline... Peter and Mary Jane got married. And uh, uh, so she's like, where is he? I, I, this is what I married into. I knew this was going to happen. But like, it's been too long since he's come home or too long since he's checked in. They're supposed to be moving in together yeah. into one of their dumpy apartments. And so there's that. So we're in her inner monologue. We're in Vermin's inner monologue. We're in Craven's inner monologue. And Craven's inner monologue is all about primal. It's all about fear. It's all about consumption and uh and that's why we see him like going after people to eat in a couple of places because when you are that feral that's all you have you're you're insane feed the feed the feed the hunger it's when you see a dog why does a dog always eat if you give it food because it doesn't know if it's ever going to eat again and because you're providing it because you're you're the alpha generally and so you get into that aspect of things but, like, going so much farther, we were talking about serial killers earlier. Uh, the idea that we watch horror movies with Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Oh, I love this. I, don't I love know, it. Any, any number of villains, and we never get what they're doing or why. Yeah, you do. I mean, they explain it. You always have somebody that's like, oh, he's so bad, and it's because of this and because of that. And then somebody shows up and explains, the, I the was there, or it was like him. that. Uh, Michael Myers is yeah. part of a or, weird cult. I, dude, did you see the Friday the 13th remake with Rooney Mara in it and um, uh, the guy that played the uh, – oh, what the, what the devil is the guy's no, name? No, absolute, uh, absolutely The dude not. that was I, Rorschach in the original – in the Watchmen movie. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you thinking of uh, – I think you're thinking of uh, the new uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that what it is? Not Friday the 13th? Yeah, because he was – He was Freddy. Because was Freddy ja- Jackie, was, uh, Jackie was playing Freddy. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Thank you. Dude, that remake, I loved it. I thought that was – Really? To the hilt. Now I, I really... Now I gotta watch it. I loved it. it. I loved now it. I gotta watch it because... Dude, uh, did you never watch no, it? No, I didn't because no one ever believes me when I tell them that the Fright Night remake, remake was great. <laughs> it was so much fun. Are you kidding? No, it was... Like, yeah, I, I, dude, I it's loved got it. Anton Yelton it's in got it. Anton, it's got Anton yeah. Yelton in it. Uh, oh, they, they, Anton Yelton, they, God bless his soul. God bless his soul. Don't make me cry. Uh, Chris uh, Sarandon plays a, a random guy that pulls over to help him <laughs> on the street and just gets obliterated. It was phenomenal. <laughs> uh... Oh, David man. Tennant. I've got my Chris Sarandon Star Trek card over here from his one episode of Deep Space Nine. Um, All right, wait, wait. Uh, that's, to, a, that's a thing I want to get signed. Back to Spike. But, uh, yeah, 
back to Spidey. The point I'm making is that we don't ever get those. You, you just see this force of nature going around with maybe, maybe not superpowers, and they are eliminating people one after the other. That's why but we don't have anything. That's sorry? that's why we like Thanos comics are so good. Is we get the insight on why oh, he's in doing his it. head. What is his motivation? I, I I still think the comic books are better. For when it comes to Thanos, let me get tangential one more time. Thanos being it, it, Thanos is an is a uh, a bastardize, bastardization of the word Thanatos. I guess Latin, if I recall, that means to have an unnatural fixation on death. Correct. That's the point. Thanos is infatuated with death, and death in the Marvel universe is personified as a human, as a humanist, human-looking humanoid female. And when you go back and read any of those kick-ass Thanos books within the last ten years, especially what Thanos Rising, it details where this comes from. She came to him and made him her her lover before he was even capable of any sexuality. Blah, blah, blah. This whole thing goes on and on and on. And that's why I feel like it would have been incredible since in Thor Ragnarok, Kate Blanchett's Hela says, I'm the god of death. Who? Are, what are you the god of again? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, God, it would have been nuts to have released her from that and that be the catalyst for Thanos to be doing anything. Well, we got anything. we got a little bit of insight on her and even that little bit, she's like, yeah, you erased me. Like, like she was nothing. Uh, that there's, there's a lot going on. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because what Craven is obsessed with is he's no longer the top of the food chain. He's no longer uh, the, the great hunter that he thought that he built his entire persona of who he was as his oh, that's a as good his point. identity his identity was ruined when the spider beat him and now it it, it like it's like putting together a, a, a puzzle piece that is a, a, a actually a jigsaw puzzle that is just made of broken glass i mean it just looks like a broken version of you oh, the wow. whole time and you, you you can't put it back together until you destroy the person that broke it in the first place because you're seeing your reflection in this and you don't like what you see and that's exactly why he's on this because again we brought it up earlier the shame uh identity here uh mary jane oh yes go for it don't forget vermin shame go for it vermin's go for it vermin's primal aspect there we we were talking about his humanity how much humanity does he even have left the only aspect of it that really makes any sense is shame. He feels shame for everything about himself. Correct. But he simultaneously wants vengeance, which is not really an animalistic trait. It's a human trait, and he thinks that he can like find... He doesn't even realize on the, that on the subconscious level, he wants to find personal balance and probably self-confidence by giving Captain America a savage beatdown... But he also wants to hit Spider-Man for the same well, reason. Well, he used to be human. And somehow or another, Craven knows all this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he used to be human. Uh, like, he might be broken down into an animal form, but imagine uh, if you still have some semblance of humanity in you, regardless if... Uh, I mean, uh, drug addicts feel this sort of thing, where they don't... They, they, they hate what they are now. They hate how they got there. They don't remember how they got there except maybe one or two things. And there's also the looming weight of shame that they might not understand because they forgot who they even were. I mean, this guy was a scientist. 
and now he's living in the sewers. He can't. He can barely poke his head out of a manhole. Imagine we usually don't get this degree of horrendous transformation. You know, you get Ben Grimm, who is okay. Well, I'm now. I'm. I'm still Ben Grimm, but I'm. And I was capable of this, mm-hmm. but now I'm capable of that. Or you get like when it comes to these transformations. Right. To all of these characters, you know, they don't usually turn into this degree of a monster. Uh, it happens, though, you know, wherever Swamp Thing comes from, wherever, uh, oh, God, I don't know. Now, uh, Michael Morbius. When is that coming out, by the way? Uh, the they, Morbius movie. I, I think they pushed that back, but uh, before we get too oh, man, yeah. far off of it, you brought it up earlier when we were taking our notes about uh, another aspect of being the villain, or, or we, you're... You're a badass supervillain. You take everything you do seriously, and this oh, right. punk ass kid mm-hmm. shows up and take it. And that's the crazy thing that nobody knows that Spider Man is a punk ass kid. And you know he's in his twenties here. He's a grad student. Yeah. There's no. It's, it's such an amorphous thing trying to figure out what's going on with Peter Parker's age at any given moment. But he's a young man, a really young man. And uh, you know the whole business of like being defeated on a repeated basis by a guy who is quipping and making fun of you and giving you a hard time and almost pantsing you or tying your shoelaces together. Yeah. All of these villains take themselves so seriously because they are trying to do something, you know? They're not all just a bunch... It's, it's just not like... it's not They're not Keystone Cops bad guys. But, like, you know, it, it, there's definitely levels of what you can take seriously. But when you strip all of that away to vermin, where it's just consumption, fear, a lack of self-confidence, and uh, any number of like... It's one handful of different facets to his personality, as opposed to like Dr. Octopus, who has so many things going on in his head for every decision he makes, you know? Freeze on Duck Ock. That at a certain point, we've got Dr. Octopus being the superior Spider-Man, but in this, Kraven becomes... He becomes Spider-Man. Which brings us... He takes on the mantle Which brings us to chapter three, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man 131. He's taken on the mantle. Go, you're on the jazz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're Dude, on. Yeah, I mean, you're on the you've jazz. Got, you've got Mary Jane out in the streets in the rain, looking for Peter, and she can't find him. And she's being accosted by some. Uh, I don't even know some, what to call these some guys. Street Real jabronis. <laughs> I don't. Wouldn't call these guys street thugs. So what about? Just, I don't know what the. They're, they're street just street punk. They, one they and three, like two a, and three. <laughs> yeah, Street Thug 2 and 3, nice. I mean, it's beautiful because it's overlapping these three plot lines simultaneously. You've got Craven fighting a mental concept of the spider when it is thousand, millions of spiders that he has somehow uh, accumulated in an effort to take on their power. Don't So he's fighting. He's fighting that. Don't forget. While, uh, don't forget that Parker's look, buried. <laughs> we saw. Yeah, but he's he's, he's not even a player. He's not right even now. a player. He's buried. We like from That's all a whole, purposes, a whole he, issue unto he himself. He might be dead. <laughs> and then you've got Vermin realizing that he needs to find and get Spider-Man. Well, at the same time, you've got Mary Jane being chased down by these these jabronis, 
And then, out of nowhere, Spider-Man shows up. And he savagely beats them. Because he's not Peter. And because it's Craven in the spider costume. He thinks he's the superior Spider-Man. He thinks he's better. He, he, in that moment, is he the superior Spider-Man? I don't think that's his motivation at all. I thought I he, was, he just had to become the spider. I, I, I agree, but I also I thought he I don't think he, he was, had to outdo Spider-Man. I just think he had to become the spider. I got the impression until the confession at the end that he was trying to ruin the spider's reputation as not being a killer. Because he's except that there's a confession. Yeah, so he, I guess he just took it too far. I think that's one of the things we need to come back full circle later. We'll hit it. Yeah. So what it what, you know you've got then then it trades because that's just, this is where it always bothered me. Like sometimes I'm in my own head when it comes down to the possible science here, and you know, you see Craven scaling a wall and whatever, and I'm like, does he have spider powers because he ate a bunch of spiders? No, you said, you know, he just, he basically is capable of climbing. And I'm yeah. like, well, maybe he's using drain pipes well, and well, you ladders. S- did you see, did you notice that he was swinging on, like, ropes? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, totally yeah. that. But, yeah. And that's the crazy aspect of it. So let's, let's dive into this a little bit. Craven is wearing a fabric costume and he's doing, you know, he's running around like Daredevil, basically. But, like, he doesn't know that the spider costume is the symbiote he doesn't know that not in the least bit otherwise imagine <laughs> imagine if the spider symbiote had gone to craven what a different story this would be i think that's a whole what if and let me tell you the what if craven the hunter had killed spider-man is a damning what if book I totally forgot about that. Well, I need to find my copy of that. I think he would have been. Oh my God. I, I think. I think that was a, a. I think that. I think you're correct. If this had come out now, um, we don't know that much about the symbiote uh, bef- at, at this mm-hmm. time in 1989, 90. I think. Yep. I think he would have been more on the hunt to kill the, kill the symbiote. Oh, that would have been amazing. That that yes, that would I like. I like your idea better. But I think they would have landed on Kill the Symbiote if Craven would have uh, realized that the, like he had extra powers because of that and strength. Yeah. I mean, he goes on a... Craven, Spider Craven goes on a tear around New York for however many days and beats the just bejesus out of thugs and criminals everywhere. And some of them die. Yeah. And the cops realize this and they're like, something's wrong with Spider-Man. Something's wrong with so, Spider-Man. You know, something's wrong with Spider-Man. We, we don't know. Oh, man. You know, I, lo- that, I, that... I love that. That was the care in that. The care in that was... Exactly. Yeah. I love old Daredevil books because at a certain point they're like, oh, no, we're going to let Daredevil come in and try to look in on this one. Or, yeah, Daredevil has done a lot for us. Let's contact him and see what he can do about this. But, like, they don't do that with Spider-Man because there is a negative press campaign. So what I appreciate about these two rando detectives who are going in on a bust for whatever this is, stolen goods or who the heck knows. Oh, dude, this was uh, so brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this guy, Craven is mashing people's heads into walls. Oh, you're talking about those cops. Are... I was thinking about the cops that... Uh, were... Oh, no, that's different. Yeah, sorry, we'll get to that. Those are street cops. These cops are are very careworn about Spider-Man, and they're like, oh, man, that's terrible. We're going to have to go after Spider-Man now. But... Uh, we get more into the stuff. Yeah, we've got some street cops in their patrol car, and man, this harkens back to some Hill Street Blues. Oh, oh my god, gosh, damn! That was such moment. a good movie and a good TV show, guys. If you're bored, it's on Hulu. It's freaking phenomenal. Are you serious? Yes, I could. 
just for the nostalgia, go back and check out some Michael Bean before he was uh, in Aliens, um, among other great things. Man, I, you'd, you'd hear that music and just, you were taken there. And like, just, oh man, you know, my dad likes this show. That's what I always thought whenever I heard that music. The, the, my mom, so anyway, the, my, my, my too, me too. My mom, like every time I see it, I'm like, I love this show. That's <laughs> so funny. Man, I I might have to sit down and watch some of that. Uh, the uh, so um, yeah, we got a couple of street cops. They're like, oh my gosh, here's this character that's probably been eating people, and uh, he gets shot. And the rats, oh my god, he uses his rat powers to drag the man cop, the male cop, this was horrific. down into the sewers. That was that was that was hard to digest, even as an adult. Um, what that what that man went through and the horror in in his in his partner's face watching something that she could barely stop or try or even think about being able to stop. I remember how messed up I felt reading this when I was a kid, and because Vermin captures the uh, the uh, the lady cop and holds her against the car and then licks her in the face, and I was like, this this is just intense. And at the same time, because he is he is remembering her, or he is remembering his mother, because of the familiarity he shares, and, somehow, and uh, it just it puts her in in a in a condition. Don't forget that at the same time, Craven is constantly remembering his mother and the madness that she's going that she that she went through. Uh, what what was the quote you said? It is she, was she truly mad or? Um... Oh yeah, he refers to it in the first issue and then in the last issue. Uh, the okay, so let's let's go down that path just a little bit. So Craven is probably a Russian exile or a Soviet exile. No, he is probably not a Soviet. No, I, I would I wouldn't say exile. I would say more of refugee. Uh, could be, could uh, be, yeah. more of refugee. What, uh, the flight from fear of his entire family being taken outside and being shot in the head and buried. I feel like they brought him to the United States as a child, and this is where he grew up. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. But I, I think it's more of a he, he he knows what could have happened to his family and how oh, yeah. and how regal his family was and what was stolen from them. His father's family. every everybody who like every character that is a Russian character whose family fled the Soviet Union at its inception is like some kind of, oh yeah, we're tied into the nobility or whatever. Because they executed the the, the whole Tsar's family. They, they executed everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just like, okay, well, oh, the, you know, the idea of old, old European nobility. Ooh, yeah, you know, like it could still be alive in this way or that way. And, it, you know, it's just, it was this, this flirtation that the U.S. government had with the idea, yeah, if we could find somebody who we can actually trace back their lineage and yeah. blah, 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 then maybe if the Soviet Union collapsed, we could put these people back in power. No, this is what we've got. We've got... I love it. We've still got the Soviet Union with a <clears throat> democratically elected president for life. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's where we are with things. But uh, actually, anyway, so it's the whole thing. The father... Could or could not have been. It doesn't matter because you didn't have to be of nobility. You just had to be intelligentsia. You just had to be. Uh, you just had to be an artist or a poet or a writer or a journalist or something that the Soviets did not Free want. Free thinking to have. scum. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say that they probably 
were excommunicated from the Soviet Union around World War II. And, I mean, actually, Craven feels like he might be a little bit older than that. I don't think he's a man in his 30s. Yeah, uh, I'd say he'd be as but, in his uh, 50s. Yeah, there's something about the age element there that makes it feel like, I don't care how old Craven is or how old he ever was going to be, he's going to be incredible. An incredible specimen of a human with a who is who's definitely got something mis miswired in his head, but uh, I mean that's the whole thing. He keeps going back to this thing. They said my mother was insane. Well, if they didn't like you, they would send you to a gulag, yep. a hard labor work camp for however long, and if you survived it, maybe that you would be ingratiated back into society, or maybe they would just release you. Or who the hell knows? But if they, but they also could be like, oh, that we don't like your religious ways, so we're going to stick you in a madhouse, yeah. and you're going to be drugged all day, every day, and then you're going to have moments of lucidity. There's any number of horrible things that these regimes do to their own people to bring them to heal. Correct. Watch Chernobyl. Oh God! Watch, uh, uh, only oh, don't watch it if you're in a bad mood or already depressed. Oh God, man. Yeah, no. don't. I mean, you're gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna say uh, it's that'll a trigger phenomenal, you. phenomenal HBO series about uh, '80s Soviet life. Robin, among other things. Robin made us watch that in in binge form, like uh, before <laughs> Thanksgiving. Like I'm like, next year I am. That's my sister. I am taking over because my dad <laughs> yeah. will watch whatever my sister suggests, and I'm I'm sitting there. I'm, like, I'm enjoying it, but I'm like, this is the ho- we're starting the holidays. This is a like I, okay, I guess this is pretty goth. Is what I asked for. <laughs> but uh, we, we got to move on. We got to move on to issue uh, number four, Web of Spider Man. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up. Now, this this might seem completely left field, um, but um, one of my favorite bands when I was growing up uh, was Sepultura and uh, Soulfly. After uh-huh. Sepultura broke up, uh, Soulfly really got into the Brazilian aspect of. Uh, music combined with uh, newer forms of metal. Uh, I don't want to call it new metal because it was a little bit more complex, even though it was still like, you know, one chords you could play with drop D with one finger or detuned, uh, down tuned to B. Um, uh-huh. uh, you're at a Soulfly concert and the drums. The drums is a major. Oh, thank you. A major okay. thing that's going on in in they mention quite often. Uh, you start off at the very beginning with uh, Craven in his trance doing his ritual. The drums. Imagine it was the most brutal mosh pit I've ever seen. I've been to Dimmu Borgia. I've been to Slayer. Uh, uh, you, you name it. There was no more of a more brutal mosh pit. Than Soulfly, but it wasn't people punching each other in the face. I'm talking those drums that came from the jungles of Brazil uh, that were just integrated in this in this very hardcore, very subcontext form of metal uh, with, with you know very loud guitars and screams and and uh, the the in uh, in uh, Portuguese chants. Um, the drums, like it, it was more of a it was imagine the mosh pit with an imaginary fire with even like girls that look like they were 13 years old knowing every single word punching like i mean they're not punch punching but it's moshing it was old school moshing and people are getting the 
dog shit knocked out of them and popping right back up like it like they just got hit by a car and they didn't even feel it and just jumping over the fire over and over and over uh that mosh pit did not die down that was that was 30 dudes in albuquerque usually it's like five or six guys that mosh the entire time this was like 30 people uh that really felt the music all hugging at once and crying <laughs> it was so weird yeah. because it 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 executed demons in our head. It it, it got the fight. It, it, it was the it was the, the the way that Fight Club felt, um, and the drums really comes into part in this in the fifth part here. I'm sorry, the fourth part here, and this is where we see with the drums the resurrection of the spider. Please. Oh, that's a good point. I I want to tie it into the torment series Please. later as well where there are where the drums are more consistent there agreed it's like this it's like something that's coming through subspace to spider-man in that moment and that of was... course the woman that is running this whole business in that story the voodoo aspect is, of it yeah it goes a long way and she takes on a craven persona because at that point craven was still dead yeah. but you know we just read that entire dan slot thing where craven was around but, uh, um, so the thing being that, you know, yeah, you're talking about a savage beatdown. Uh, Spider Craven finds vermin and emasculates him <laughs> through combat, through personal combat. Now, Craven takes his licks. Of course, he's never going to feel it. And, uh, in the end, he has beaten vermin into with, to within an inch of his life, and he picks him up and goes. But I love the last panel in issue three because it is the black hand of Spider-Man coming out of the grave asking for his one link to the living, and it's Mary Jane. So at the beginning of issue four, we're in this white space with no borders, no edges, no corners, no no sense of distance. And it's it's Peter trying to figure out just where he is or what the hell is going on. And, of course, it's, it's the question, is he within his own mind or is he dead? The idea that I think that you and I decided on is that what we didn't know was that he was wearing the symbiote costume. Correct. And I think that the symbiote... Save that for later. Save that for our final thought. Oh, I don't know, man. Okay, I mean, okay, go for it. One way or another, we have to. It begs the question: How did Peter survive being buried for two weeks? Was it because the potions were so voodoo that it made him a zombie for two weeks, I, I, and he didn't need to breathe, I'm, and he didn't need to eat? I'm landing on that, uh, subsiding on very little air. I mean, it's not like they. It's not like where it's like years pass and the the, the ground is completely you know uh, airtight. Uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking more that he was. Breathing very little, uh, one of those potions that makes your heartbeat as slow as possible, yeah. uh, all all that good stuff. Um, but we so we can't... ultimately we we've got an entire transformation going on here where Peter actually comes out of a spider totem that is in physical combat with avatars of his fear. And very, he sheds that skin. Everything in this is involving the concept of identity and shedding a skin. Well, it starts with Ben. Everybody is in costume. Yeah, huh? it starts with Ben. 
Yeah. Yeah, and then and then it develops as he becomes more, like I, I I feel like what Parker went through uh, in in waking up in the grave and digging himself out was exactly what Craven was trying to achieve at the beginning of the entire story. Mm-hmm. Where he really when, became the spider. I, when, 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 when Spidey re, digs himself out of the hole and you've got that full page, that splash page where he's reaching up over his own headstone, he's thinking about Mary Jane. And he says, I love you. And what I love is that while Vermin has all of those rats running around, the spiders are all coming to Spider-Man at the grave. It's a little subtle. You have to, you have to look down at it when you, when you flip to this page. Now I was telling Joshua, of course, that like when I was, (laughs) I don't know how I got it, but I had a pullout page uh, that was of this. So I had a poster of this when I was a kid. So it was like, you know, whatever. Stan- 16 by 22 or something. Was it like a that. standard like rock poster or was it a little, like a, a pull out a pull out like three comic pages uh yeah, something yeah. like that. It just unfolded, you know, you wouldn't really know what it was until you ripped it out of something. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it came out of a poster book. But um so I had that when I was I, just, I really loved that particular poster because I realized how important this story was when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, this predates Wizard. Gets, you had to have gotten that in a comic. <laughs> probably. I mean, there were still poster books. I remember back then you could go to Walmart and they'd be like, here's comic collecting. Comic collecting is happening. Actually, that might have been after like 1993. Because <laughs> uh, I remember when you know Jim Lee was writing X-Men, that was what it was all about. Collecting comics. Mm-hmm. Save but, uh, for your yeah, retirement. Peter, or, <laughs> Spidey, uh, Spidey makes it into Craven's house, and he sees a bunch of newspapers that no one's been reading, and he's seeing the headlines, and starts to figure out that Craven is the one that did this to him, and he has been gone for two weeks. So he eventually is like somehow or another, Craven realizes what's going on, and he has vermin trapped in a cage, an electrified cage down in the basement. And Peter decides to get lost. He jumps out the window and he goes home. Yep. And he finds Mary Jane, who is at, at her wit's end. And he comes inside and he doesn't have to say anything. That was so she important. Knows, that was so important. Yeah. And any other superhero good, uh, girlfriend would have been like, where have you been? I've been so worried. No. She was in it for the long haul. Uh-huh. But she definitely made damn this sure... That I love what you said earlier, too. This isn't this over-the-top, buxom, sexy Mary Jane. This is a vulnerable Mary Jane in her pajamas. This is a vulnerable Mary Jane just throwing something on and going out there and still just happening to be sexy. But, like, that's not her motivation. This is Mary Jane not made up to blow our minds. This is a real woman. This is the way that she's been depicted depicted here. That's the beauty of her character is that people who are creative teams who are working with her usually treat her so well. Now I'm going to go say that like Todd McFarlane would go nuts with her and like it was all TNA all the time over the over like ex- exploded iterations of her figure and stuff like that over the top lips and just things the hair was out of control, but like that—that's just his style. That's his approach. Yeah, he had a lot of fun. 
Uh, there was yeah, there was no room to... for that in this storyline. No, there's it, it just yeah I. It, I'm gonna say like when we get down to it here in a minute, sexuality is left for uh, for another moment that I'm gonna come back to. Um, he's he's there. They clearly like are back together, but and even though he's been in the grave for two weeks, he knows he's got to go out there and stop Craven from running around and beating people up in his image. So that brings us to uh, number five, The Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 294. Uh, oh, before we get to that, uh, don't forget that the last issue, uh, we're talking about uh, the quintessential, well, one of the quintessential Spider-Man uh, covers here, uh, Web of Spider-Man number 32, him coming out of the grave. They hinted at it in uh, Spidey 293, where it's in the background, but now it's fully, it's he's fully emerging, and it's one of those great moments where uh, you you buy a comic and you see the preview, uh, which is the cover, and you goddamn well expect for that to happen, and it better happen because oh yeah yeah, as opposed to like where it's some sort of swerve or something like that. No, it happens, and this is one of the best Spider-Man covers of all time. It's totally true. It's totally true. If you're if you're anywhere and you see this, you're not gonna see this in the in the you know you maybe you're someplace and you're like, oh, can I see the high priced comics box that you have behind glass there? You know, at a, I don't know, at, I I can think of some types of places that that do that and that's fine. Uh, you know, or if you're, but if you're at a comic book store, this is a comic that's on the wall. Yep. Or this is on a standing thing. Or a poster you know, on a shelf right back there, whatever. I mean, this is this is what that that's that's it's an iconic moment in Spider-Man's life. Uh, yeah. Issue five, issue, or uh, issue five chapter, of the storyline. Chapter line. five, Amazing Spider-Man two ninety four. <clears throat> chapter five, yeah. <clears throat> I dig this cover too because it is almost the hunter being hunted, except that 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 maniacal grin on Craven's face. Uh, is totally indicative that this is what he's been waiting for. Mm. And you've got Spidey in a classic, like, stuck-to-the-ceiling pose I'm, in the background. I'm coming, and I think I'm, I think I'm being stealthy. It, it definitely shows the, yeah. the template of what McFarlane had to follow uh, in regards to... Uh, template. Yeah, I mean, you get, a, you get a template. I mean, like, nice. I mean, if, you, if you look at, at the drawings in this, like, uh, you could trick someone into thinking that McFarlane, this is some of McFarlane's early work. I mean, look at the big bushy mm-hmm. brows of Craven and the oh, and, and yeah, his man. big giant teeth. Oh, his teeth. His teeth. God. Once I, go back to uh, the first chapter of this when, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. It might not be the first chapter. It might be... I think it's chapter two where uh, where he's laughing. Yep. Do you see what I'm showing you? I love that yeah. one. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get so close to the mic. <laughs> but um, I love that one. He's standing on the grave with in the in the Spider-Man costume, and he pulls the mask off, and it's revealed. Why is Craven wearing that thing? And he's laughing, and his teeth are gigantic. Dude, you're right. That's this is a good place to go for the recipe for what you need to be doing. When you're when you're doing the uh, when you're when you're drawing this, My, what I appreciate here is, of course, Spider-Man does his like slowly using the web, yeah. coming down upside down behind Craven. Craven absolutely knows it, and Craven's in the costume. So now you've got a moment where Peter, when Spidey punches Craven in the teeth, 
And he just spits it out and smiles. Craven is in his full masculine polarity here. He is completely in charge of his mission, his destiny. He knows everything that's about to happen. And he has set, you're right, he set this chessboard up. And he knows exactly how it's going to play out. And what I appreciate here is that he's like, okay, you know what? Hey, you've got me, but that doesn't mean you've got anything. Agreed. And he's, I'm going to shed my skin and not be you anymore. I'm not going to fight you. Because you are you. You are you. You're not going to kill me. You can punch me as much as you want. I know you're not going to kill me. But. Yeah. (laughs) He gets out of the costume and puts on his own craven skin. He's back in the lion's mane. He's back in the cheetah print loincloth and the and the uh, the uh, bracers on his arms, looking like a looking like a ridiculous badass. He's a wrestler. It's just crazy. What a crazy cut, co- dude. He is. A, he's like he's a wrestler. He's a- I want to see one wrestler come out looking like that. You know who'd do it? Seth Rollins. I was gonna say because if you're gonna have Seth Rollins show up to WrestleMania in a Game of Thrones White Walker concept, if you're gonna see him come out as Thanos, yeah, he I he mean, did he did the White Ranger. Ranger. He did the White Ranger one year for Wrestle. Uh, it was That's, either WrestleMania or SummerSlam or uh, or uh, the White Ranger. Or Rumble. The White Ranger or the Green Ranger with white motifs. Yeah, he did White Ranger. I remember White Ranger. Huh. Mm. Nope. 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 Nope, yeah, you know, I'm correct. I was uh, I was thinking I was incorrect because I remember the New Day did uh the New Day The New Day the New Day. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I missed that. Minefielders <laughs> Minefielders What happened to Kofi Mania? <laughs> or the uh Oh Man, god. That was, the, the, that was a the the, the New Day intro thing. was great. Alright, we're getting we're getting too yeah, off yeah. on this. Uh, uh, New Day did Dragon Ball Z. That's what I was thinking. Anyway, <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. Or did the Rangers too? I think the Rangers. Uh, I don't want to see Roman Reigns as Craven the Hunter, except he's too nice looking. He's just too nice. He's just such, such a nice boy. Yeah, Roman Reigns, such a nice. I, I want to see him get in a fight with Jason Momoa at a bar. <laughs> oh my god! I want to see him get. That would be like. That would be like watching... <laughs> they, they, like, they, they wouldn't be able to fight. They, they'd be constantly slipping on whatever residualness of all the women watching it at the time. <laughs> oh, that's... I was going to go with whatever wet hair they happen to have. But thank you for that. For, the, for that. Uh, I was going to say they were going to be... They were probably going to end up complimenting each other too much. <laughs> Buying each other a drink after so, It's such a nice... Such a pair of nice such boys. Such a nice boys. Nice boys. What it comes down to here, yeah, we're way off. But, way off. Uh, this, it, this is the final what, fight. What, what it comes down to, this is the, the the fight that you want with Craven and Spider Man for doesn't, everything that Craven has happen. done never happens. Doesn't happen <laughs> because it doesn't matter. It just doesn't need to happen. No. Craven has too much control of the situation. He has vermin in a cage. And he's trying, what you said earlier, he's trying to trick Spider-Man into killing killing Vermin. Which would be his ultimate uh, uh, vindication of beating Spider-Man. Was That's the only way he could have done because it. Because he learned throughout, while pretending to be Spider-Man, that Spider-Man doesn't kill people. And he, he saw that on the looks and faces of everyone that saw him trying to swing around a Spider-Man or the cops like, what the hell are you doing, man? Um, That's why he's not the superior Spider-Man. Correct. Because he couldn't, 
he couldn't defeat Spy- he couldn't take Spider-Man's place because everyone knows Spider-Man doesn't kill. Correct. At least the good guys. I mean, the idea that it's always interesting to think, you know, like Batman won't kill, but he scares the pants off of every every villain out there. Well, yeah, but he's not going to kill me. No, he's he's but, just going to put me in jail. I'm going to get a beat down. Batman used to use guns back in the 40s and the 30s, man. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, that's different. That's Batman noir. That's back in the day. Yeah, man. but Spidey's never killed, not on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Not on purpose, and he's never. You're not going to get an action figure of Spidey where he's got like a, a giant bazooka no. or a machine gun. <laughs> That's not going to only happen. only one of those crazy accidental like knockoffs from Bangladesh or, or something like that. Yeah, where it's like a just a, <laughs> some me- it's some Mexican, Mexican flea market where it's like a Justice League yeah. six pack and it's got Hombre Spidey. <laughs> it's got Spidey. It's got Batman. <laughs> it's got the Juggernaut for some reason. <laughs> you get you'll, you'll get like a He-Man action figure with a Spider-Man head yep. jammed on it. It, it happens. He'll come with a with a he'll come with a Rambo bazooka from the Rambo line. It happens in, the, in, in they're, 87. They're worth every penny. You got to buy those. <laughs> <laughs> they're worth every penny. All right, so all right, so we, let us know if you have any of those or if you have uh, accidentally recreated that with Legos. Uh so <laughs> So yeah, basically, Vermin is let out of the cage, and he is goaded into attacking Spider-Man, and Spidey is having a hard time fighting him, and I think that's what Craven most appreciates, is that in the end, uh, it took Captain America to beat Vermin down. It took Craven in a Spidey costume, to beat Vermin down, and now, in his weakened state, Spider-Man could not defeat Vermin, and so Vermin is set free. And that's his ace in the hole. It is. I let him go, Spider-Man. You're never going to be able to defeat me while he's out there killing and eating people. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. And, uh... and then what does he do? He helps Spider-Man up and helps him up the stairs and takes him to the smashed window and says, go get him. You... And in that, somehow, in Craven's mind, he has achieved the honor that he desired. And that's what leads us to one of our first big things. And I think this comic would have been just chastised if it had been published now. Because it, it, it does involve suicide. I mean, that grave we saw in his family uh, church, uh, in his mm-hmm. rich's home... Uh, that grave was not Spider-Man's grave. That or coffin. That was his. And he, he. I I gotta say that I think you're right. I don't think that we could do this now. I'd be surprised if anyone did it. Um, and somehow or another, I don't see. Is this on a bunch of top ten lists? That's my next question. This is not something that we investigated. I don't know the answer to that. This should be on the top ten list of every great Spider-Man story. I don't Spider-Man story on the for, top, for sure, for sure. This is probably a this is probably, this is definitely a top fifty of uh, of cross title promotional events in my opinion. Like Sixth time we've been in perfect sync tonight. Uh, agreed. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, I, it's definitely not in the lower half of a of a no. of a hundreds list. You know, no, but but um, it, it would definitely be in the top ten. Of uh, poignant, well thought out, well written, uh, thematic, um, wow, conceptual ideas. Uh, if if this was 
if you were going to put Spider-Man in a, in the Met in terms of like this oh, this yeah. is the art this would this would be one of them uh because the people that would go in to see it would know exactly what they're looking what they're looking at and uh one thing that really stands out to me from when you were showing me the inside extras from your original uh first print graphic novel was seeing mm-hmm. all of the original art with the original pencil work and if you compare it to what is actually printed it's completely drowned out by solid blacks so much of it. Oh, uh, what I've got. Yeah, look. Yeah, look at that pencil page, and then and then yeah. and then and then think about all the artwork. All of that is completely drained out by solid blacks. I mean, they, they barely. It's incredible because when you can get on Photoshop and try to rasterize things yeah. now. I mean, that's an effect that they try that you try to pull off now. But this is legit penciling, and this is before inking has even occurred. And this is all shaded black pencil. Inking is an art where it shows off the detail, uh, to be specific. Yeah. Uh, because so much of the detail was lost. I imagine that McFarlane saw these and was like, damn, i got to step my game up. Um, it could be. Uh, it could be. i got to step my game up. But so much of the detail was lost in just, just stark, drenched out, solid black with very little dark blue to accentuate thighs and fingers and uh, jaw lines, that sort of thing, when it came to Spidey. Oh my god. I just had a thought that has never once occurred to me in all the times I've read this. Give it to me. When, okay, I mean, yeah, we just mentioned that there's a suicide. Craven shoots himself with his ep- eponymous... Elephant gun. Hunting rifle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he uh, falls into the into the coffin... And the last thing he thinks to us, like we mentioned earlier, they said my mother was insane. I'm not sure that's how we're supposed to read that. I think maybe he's drawing a comparison. They said my mother was insane? Like a way to get a load of me type thing? or Maybe. Maybe. Or he might even be saying that, you know, they said my mother was insane... They were the insane ones. I agreed. I would. I'm, I'm going to fall on that one. Especially, I think the reason. I, I think the re- three ways you could take that. Well, what's the third way? No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're right. They said my. They, like I've always read it with sadness. They said my mother was insane. I always did read it with sadness too, because like, like because it's so sad, it's so much. I, I think th- his expressions. My God, how do you feel about the suicide? I feel like his suicide was okay. I've done the. I'm shocked. The most I to can this do. Day, the gutsiest, the gutsiest move that you could have taken. You take a character that is fascinating, that no one really takes seriously, which I think is sad because what it comes down to is he's one of the most interesting characters that Spider-Man has to cope Especially with. Especially complex. He's not ones. the boomerang. <laughs> he's not molten man. He's not you know. Uh, the spot, he's not the, the the spot. Oh my yeah. god, uh, he's he's a legit, a legitimately dangerous person. He's not hunter. Who, he's not hunter man. <laughs> no, he's Craven the Hunter. There's a lot that you can do with this, and when it comes right down to it, the mere fact that like this story, this is the craziness. This story makes him more interesting than. 
any other Craven story, and this should, by all accounts, be the very last Craven story. Agreed. And yet, you everybody looks at this and goes, "Oh my God, that was awesome! I just I want my I want a chance at Craven now." So you've got like Alyosha Craven. And you've got the you got the Get Craven storyline that came out in the early two thousands or late nineties or whatever. Then you've got the Craven. You've got Dan Slott doing Craven. Where the hell does that Craven? Oh, did he, how does how does Craven survive blowing his brains out? Yeah, and is he a clone? Is, but what is this Craven? Especially like with the Dan Slott version that came out Battle two years World? ago. Uh, Arcade was one of the was part of it yeah Yeah. arcade is not something you can use in any way that's the least bit serious unless you're doing something very dark and very quick like the victim storyline with wolverine and gambit uh with um tim uh um god uh the guys that do all the awesome batman once a year things um once a year thing yeah they did long halloween uh tim sale oh tim sale and jeff loeb yeah tim sale jeff loeb um Uh uh-huh yeah that Arcade worked in that because it was very quick that you found it was arcade, and it was over very fast. And mm. with Dan Slott doing it, um, and we'll finish this up later. Like, I, I gotta say, like what we were, you think about that uh, super secret thing we were talking about the other night, yeah, and uh, or was it last night? And it's it's the question of like, is this re? Is it retconned because of Battle World? Is it retconned because of Cubic? Who the hell knows? You know, just like what I want. People just bring people back arbitrarily because they want to do it. It doesn't make any. I want a secret hint that this is a bunch of shitheads in the Disney uh, bureaucratic system that, like, uh, we need a big bring back Craven. Like, like, uh, dude, this right here. This is the. This is the Craven movie we need. That's the exact Craven movie we need. And, and Tom Hardy or Tom Tom sorry, sorry. Uh Tom <laughs> Tom what the frack is his name? We're getting Tom Tom Holland. Tom Holland. This is too dark for a Tom Holland MCU movie. There's no way. This He's was too an young. Andy Garfield quality story. It would have been. It would have been. This would have been an astonishing Amazing Spider-Man number 3. I don't think especially bringing the Black Cat into it. Oh, Black Cat. Oh, I don't know if like if you, I don't know if I don't want that you, amount you of sexuality oh. in the story. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. Let me go back. We we were talking about the absence of sexuality in the story. One of the things that I really do like is the moment before before Spidey is uh, for you know forced to fight Vermin in semi gladiatorial fighting. Craven uh, walks up. He's finishing tying his laces or whatever he's doing. I guess he's barefoot, but he's a. Uh, He's doing something, and he walks over, and he reaches out, and he takes Spidey by the chin. Like someone, not not as if he's going to kiss him, but like someone who is admiring something. Yeah, like a statue. And you know what? I'm going to go that far. I don't think that he... Uh, this isn't indicative of uh, heteroflexibility. Agreed. This is This is, I think, a moment where he is admiring him... As a specimen of perfection, because through the whole thing in Craven's interior monologues, it is an admiration of the qualities of the spider. And so, you know, a moment ago when I was before we talked about this and I was wondering about that, I'm going to recant. I don't I don't think that this is a sexuality. Uh, no, which is why I, which is why I argued against Black Cat being. Part yeah, of good it. point. 
but we gotta. Well, I mean, black. We need a we need black cat in a movie. Bad. A- agreed. We like, we almost got it in three because uh, Felicia yeah. was uh, uh, Harry Pussy Osborne's assistant. <laughs> Watch it. Sorry. What uh, what uh, what is Felicity Jones, uh, also known as Jen Urso from uh, Rogue One? Everybody uh, was in line to play Felicia Hardy, the black cat. Uh, Though I, I'm not entirely sure that I, I just don't feel like they twisted the screw, like turned the screw hard enough onto that one. But uh, anyway, so issue number six in this story, Peter Parker, we are dealing Spectacular Spider-Man yeah. number one thirty-two. We are dealing with an extraordinarily claustrophobic Peter Parker now, who has to crawl through sewers to get down to find and. Uh, deal with vermin, but they broke the metaphor and they gave us uh, they gave us a <coughs> uh, a secret peek, as opposed to when he's breaking out of the uh, coffin and you're like, what is it a fever dream? Like what the hell's going on here? Where we're seeing him, where he's crawling out of an, another coffin and through more spiders, but you're actually seeing him um, go through the source. So you're seeing what he's seeing and you're seeing. Yeah what is actually happening in the really real world and encountering uh, vermin yet again. I think, yeah, I wonder if he's, uh, I wonder if he's, I wonder if we're getting a time shift there, like we're seeing a flashback. You, you see him crawling and then it's like, is this in his head or is it a flashback to when he was beating his way out of the car? I think he's being triggered. Uh, I think this, like, this is just solid. Yeah, he's it's being triggered. triggered. He's triggered. Yeah. The thing that really amazes me is that Craven. Then we see Craven being lowered into the grave, and as they're putting, as his men are putting him in the coffin, he's dressed in the Spider-Man costume mm-hmm. again. His men. So therein lies the question again: Did he perceive himself as a superior Spider-Man? Well, don't forget. And one thing that always confused me about this was that his henchmen were not instructed to, to apprehend or stop the spider. No, they yeah, they just let him do what yeah, he was going to do. That's fast. They let him do what they had to do, and they knew the plan. They were digging the grave, his extra grave, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the last one, and uh, knew what to do. Like the, that plan was set into motion. There, there weren't anyone crying over his grave except the the few henchmen that uh, <laughs> are probably thinking, yeah. thinking whatever it, they believe in that they survived being this guy's henchman. <laughs> <laughs> It begs the question in, you know, the supervillain watering hole, what do, what, what, hey, uh, have you, has anybody seen Craven lately? Like, that's, that. Like, nobody knows he died. No. Nobody knows how this happened, you know? I don't know, I haven't seen it. He was here, or blah, 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 or whatever. No, I, I did a score with him a while ago or whatever, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we get into this whole thing, but the final, we turn the page... Of course, Spidey's down in the uh, down in the sewers, still looking for him. He's being attacked by all the rats, so it's kind of like a video game level where he's got to like leap or duck rats or <laughs> yeah. be able to punch them. But uh, we turn back to the cops, and there's photographic and written evidence—the final confession of Craven the Hunter—that he was the guy that was beating the crap out of people and accidentally killing people recently. Exonerating so that exonerates. Fire. Yep. Yeah, I, it begs the question, did they, did he say, yeah, come out to my estate and find my fresh grave and you'll find that I'm dead and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And It's just so wacky. But, you know, the photographs go a long way uh, as evidence. So it's kind of pat. 
But then we get into it, and Vermin comes out of nowhere, and it's it's kind of like the the emotional climax of the story is in issue number five. So issue number six to me is almost I don't know. It's not antithetical to the whole situation, but, but we don't get the fight we were looking for. It's like watching the Princess Bride. You want to see Wesley and Prince Humperdinck have an enormous sword fight. But you get that out of an ego and count whatever, count something or another. And, and so we've got the fight that we were looking for. The action comes from Peter having to fight Vermin, who is cranked. And now he's in his own element. And it's like, this isn't the city streets. This isn't skyscrapers no. and, and, and web slinging. This is, you had to go down into this guy's horrible home. And it is nightmare fuel. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it because he's in his lair playing by his rules. But he also knows that he cannot uh, in any way kill vermin. Because if, if he does, oh, of course if not. he does, then... Then Craven wins, and and that's where. Th- Sorry, I, I want you to hit it and see if you overlap with what I've got to say. Uh, the about the that. only thing I really got to say is like when he pulls him out and you know he gets arrested, uh, it it in a way humanizes him. Like okay, we're not going to kill you. You're not a you're not a dog. We're going to euthanize. You're you're gonna you're going to jail. <laughs> it, it's a, a, a well, small little semblance. Yeah. Small little semblance, but we don't get that. Mary Jane reunition where oh my god I'm so glad you're you're okay and then I still don't understand after all this happened how Parker found out that um, Craven was actually dead and, and killed himself I mean he I, I can't remember any comic book where he went back or some supervillain told him like oh yeah Craven blew his brains out after you, you dude it's you, in the paper <laughs> it's in the paper right here I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you how I get to that like um. My what I here we can always go back to the appreciative quality of the intellect of Peter Parker because he's getting beat up, and even though his costume is getting thrashed by Vermin's you know claws, it still begs the question like is it the is it the symbiote he's wearing? And so Correct. we get in we get into this business where Peter's like under the he's under the sewer water and Vermin can't find him. No, he's not. He's gone up. But Vermin is looking down in the water because that's his go-to. That's his programming. That's where these people go. They, that's where people can hide. They can't hide in the dark above me. And so he's able to let Vermin's humanity, his primal fear, take over. And that's how he gets defeated. He decides he has to leave. He decides he has to get out, and then he's not in his element anymore, and he gets hit by a car. <laughs> or he's about to—I'm sorry—he's about to get hit by a car, but Peter ends up saving him and turning him in. And at that point, he is so animalistic that he is tender as a puppy. You can't—he couldn't be uh, defeat. He couldn't be eas- more easily defeated. But if you uh, you get to this, the confession is right. listed as being printed on the Daily Bugle, and so. Which is kind of astonishing that J. Jonah Jameson would run with that. But we are established earlier because we haven't really talked about how Mary Jane went to go talk to Robbie, uh, who is the uh, what's uh, where's editor? Where's Peter? <laughs> what's what's <laughs> exactly. wrong? And uh, just, he's not going to run all of these anti-Spider-Man stories. Just uh, just real quick, uh, even if the guy owns it. I, I was but, I was wrong. I forgot that. Yeah, there's the quintessential. 
uh, I love you, your mind moment with Mary Jane at the end. Oh, yeah. You, you, you had to have it. Like, uh, I guess my it. mind didn't want it, but it, yeah, you need it. You're ne- you need it. I mean, it's such a dark story. It's what has to happen. So. He comes through the front door. <laughs> yeah, that's unusual. He usually swings in to a window or something. But uh, anyway, I mean, yeah, that is more or less how it ends. Uh, full circle. I, I, I yeah, took notes. it really comes around. Uh, full circle. Uh, we couldn't talk about it earlier. The full actual purpose of vermin. In regards to integrating him into a story where a man that has already beaten the spider, technically, he's buried alive, uh, whatever, whatever you want to put it, and we've got this uh, broken down man that is learning his way back to humanity or, or, or wanting some semblance of it and screwing it up. He's eating people. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in, in my mind, the, the whole purpose of Vermin was to uh, be a, a good foil uh, in, in terms of like where we weren't getting the mania and madness from Craven, that we got it in droves with what Vermin what, what, what Vermin is. He, he was he served so many different functions in the story. Uh, whilst oh, I'd go, I would I would jump one more, but so I think there's one thing we haven't said, and that it's the idea that Craven Craven is so in his element that he's gone beyond just hunting. And now he is controlling the animals. Oh, perfect. He's gone and he's captured perfect. Vermin. And he's, you know, he tortures him into a frenzy because he does not want to be captured and he does not want to be caged. And especially get and put face to face with the spider again. Exactly. And Craven's the one that goads him into fighting when it comes time. He shamed you. He defiled you. He beat you down. You know, it's like, I'm going to get him. And then he just opens the cage. The, the, uh, that's the, and th- what else did he do? You know, he captured the Spider-Man. He he became him. So now, another- yeah, I think that's I I think that's one of the elements of what Vermin does for the story. Another, it's but it's all primal. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like I mean, like he's we've we've got that jungle jungle uh, uh, not sentimentality uh, sense of mind and 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 frame framing point of view here. I mean, this this isn't men going after each other uh but maybe it is it, like because they, they it's on a different level um yeah. the other thing was uh i'm confused about why craven decided to stop it's not like he had some sort of uh uh sensor that spidey broke out of the grave and was just waiting for him in cool craven outfit and just smiling like yeah i won um like I, i'm wondering if whether or not when he realized that uh that Spider-Man, you know, didn't kill and he was really taking it too far uh, when it comes to ruining the spider's reputation when we see the, the police officers just, you know, what's wrong with Spider-Man? Um, if he just reached the point where he was in some sort of sense of mind where if I go any further, I'm going to realize I've completely screwed this up and i got to pull the trigger on this now uh, before... I'm not sure he th- was thinking that there was anything that he could screw up. Let me tell you something about... Uh manic bad guys please as i perceive them please because i am totally familiar with one in particular in my life they never like they can create a reality for themselves that makes them feel like they've won even when they haven't 
You know, we've got Correct. this guy that has sent me death threats and that uh, is extraordinarily dangerous running around a, a, a town that I have to frequent. Your brother's in. And, um, yeah, and I, I'm not, I don't want to empower this character by, by giving too much detail, but the guy won a lawsuit and he thinks he won it all. But in the end, he really didn't. There's a lot of details to go into. Um, a, a person who is manic, depressed, chemically imbalanced, medically, chemically having problems in their brain can create a reality for themselves where even when they've lost, they think they won. Good point. Because I love that. they're willing I love to it. burn the... Yeah, it's a pirate victory. They're willing to burn the whole world down if that means that they won. But then they're dining on ashes. And I think that there's a degree of that here with Craven. There's no reason why Craven had to stop. Unless, what, did Craven know he was going to die? Did he have, like, did he have cancer? And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm awesome right now. I should die this way. Maybe got, this is how I'm going to go out with my honor intact. It's a very Klingon thing to do. Maybe he got bored being uh, a good guy. <laughs> or trying to be a good guy. I mean, well, I, I, think, I think that he... I think the only way he perceived that he could defeat the spider was by becoming the spider. And I think that he knew that whatever he drugged Spider-Man with was only going to last so long. And when Spidey came out, that was why he had uh, <clears throat> that was why he had Vermin there. He knew that Vermin was a more dangerous creature than Craven was because Craven was setting a chess set, and that's not indicative of wildness. That is machinations. That's villain quality. Uh, you know, super setup. Whereas. Vermin is an unquantifiable monster that's just going to go out there and chop people up and eat them. He's not even going to use a tool. He's going to use his nails and his teeth and rip people up. But he wasn't even a wild card. I mean, like, he he, he was expected to do that. His wildness was in, in the cards. He's not a wild card. He was a, he was to Craven, he was, he was a, a, a horrible monster that was played like a piano. Wow. Yeah, there was it's, very little, uh, very little pushing him in the right direction needed to go into. Well, it's like I said, I think there's only really five facets to what what Ven- Vermin was, and all he had to do, and even Peter in the end, even Spider Man in the end, like I said, played on his fears to the point where I don't have to fight him anymore. He took a chunk out of me just now. I don't have to fight him anymore. I just got to get him out of his element. I got to trick him into fu- into letting his primal aspect overwhelm his humanity to the point where his humanity is fighting back and drive him out into the light where then he won't be in his element anymore. He'll be in my element. And that's the crazy thing about when you're in your element or when you're not in your element. When you're terrified in the dark... It's because you can't see, you know, and Vermin goes up into the into the world where he's like, I don't understand all the moving cars. I don't understand all the blinking lights. I don't understand all of the noise. I don't understand all of the people. It's a it's an embarrassment of riches. I could eat any of these people right now. But like, I got to get away from the spider. 
Oh, but no, I could eat because it's there. I mean, put a starving dog in a situation where it's surrounded by food in every direction and see what happens. It's just, I mean, it's, I think, I think Peter figured that out and went with it. So, I mean, how many players do we have in here? We've got Craven, we've got Vermin and his facets. We've got Peter, we've got Mary Jane, we've got Spider-Man. I feel like Spider-Man is his own thing in this. As opposed to Peter, because Peter figures things out, but Spider-Man, I'm, I'm, is the guy that we're seeing in the first book. I'm glad you you brought that up because that is my final thought on this. Is because mm-hmm. uh, through all our discussion and uh, discourse on this subject of Craven the last uh, the last hunt, is that we have organically we didn't refer we very rarely referred to him as Spider-Man. It was constantly the Spider, which where Craven was. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 not Spider-Man, a guy with Spider-Man powers. No, it was the spider. And the spider was wow. Uh caught in a in a I hate the pun, but like he got put in a, in in someone else's web. <laughs> yeah. And he he triumphed. And I I still okay, yeah, we needed the Mary Jane moment. I mean it was it was nice. It was definitely a cherry that I an extra cherry I didn't ask for, but certainly I'm not gonna say no to. Um man, I, I would Well it's sun up, you know? I mean Yeah, finally This is the end of a very, very long night. Yeah, it was mostly ninety eight percent in the in the in the night. And like and, and that that means a lot, especially if you're thinking about like making a film, like when like you're filming Interview with the Vampire and everything is at night and you're you're messing with the crew and the actors' like sense of well being, where they got to shift their entire uh, frame of reference for what day and night is and when they should be active. I mean, it, this is hard. I mean, it, I think it really bled through to the readers. It bled through to me because I remember when mm-hmm. I was living. Uh, at night and sleeping at day, <laughs> uh, it, it's it's an odd it's an odd sense, and I just love the fact that we brought ourselves to bringing to calling him the spider, and very specifically at the exact time we had to say Parker or Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very particular. Those those moments are very particular because you, I mean, you just got to look at that aspect of it. The, the, we 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 talked about identity. Usually we have to talk about duality, but I think in this instance it's duality. I think that it's all Spider-Man in the first issue. Yeah. And then after that it turns into – because Spider-Man is stripped of his ide- – or Peter is stripped of that identity. He's in the grave. It's one of those circles. And, it's one of those circles that strengthens you when you – like, yeah, it, turn, it, it it's a circle. But when you get to the other end and you start the circle again, it's more of a spiral upwards. And, and he didn't – Oh, wow. It, yeah, it's a Z-axis. <laughs> Dang, dude! It's like it's like looking at a spring. Yeah. Instead of exactly. just seeing a perfect a perfect circle, it's it's like taking a perfect circle and in your thumb and forefinger and then turning it over a little bit and it's a spring. Wow, man! What an interesting metaphor. When it when it comes down to it, I as as an adult and someone that enjoys literature, uh, if I was someone put a gun to my head and said, "What story was better, Venom by McFarlane?" Michelin or uh, Craven's Last Hunt. I'm gonna say Craven's Craven, oh, Cra- Craven's Last Hunt. There's there's no comparison. Uh, the, uh, people have tried to emulate this too. You go back to like the Spider-Man the other try to kill Spider-Man again. This is the best possible way they could have killed Spider-Man and not killed him. How many times has a character actually been killed 
and then they they bring him a back. year later. This exactly, or not even that, you know. Oh, we killed Bucky. Oh no, hey, I'm not actually dead. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go off on a be be Nomad Three or something like that. But like, you know, this legitimately was a good way to kill Spider Man without actually killing him, and. It's uh, it's the only place that I can really respect that anybody tried it because he wasn't really dead. But, I never thought I know, never thought oh. he was dead. He, like it, like the the way the issues came out so quickly and sequentially uh, that I don't think people had time to process for the news to be like, oh, Spider Man's dead. You got to go buy this issue right now. I mean, there wasn't even that that yeah. big of a collector market until Superman died. Um, but that's all I got, man. This was so much fun. This was. Yeah, this was awesome. I'm going to say, the, uh, my, my final thought on this is I'm going to say, uh, one day, somehow or another, as a comic book person, I would have encountered this story. But I got to say, so many thanks to my friend Elias all those years ago, finding this and giving it to me and it turning into something that has been this big for me for so many years. And uh, I'm glad that... Despite the fact I would have encountered this, that man, you're the guy that introduced it to me. So thank you so much. Yeah, that's uh, guys. Uh, we're we're getting back on full steam on uh, regular schedule. Comics are coming about now. We're not having to like digest like eighty comics <laughs> in a week. No, oh, yeah, uh, man. we're we're doing our best, and we really appreciate you sticking with us. Uh, a lot of you guys are still with us. I think we've lost maybe like fifteen subscribers, but even then, that's like a always a week up and down type thing like you always get some fickle people that's okay uh we're here for yeah i did we're here for you guys don't worry about uh, it respect the rules of your comic store oh yeah for sure just respect generally i think that's where we need to be yeah if somebody doesn't like what you're doing hey okay i'm sorry i respect that you don't like that this isn't my <laughs> this isn't my own personal space i, I don't own walmart <laughs> we're, we're, you're not in my trailer Take your mask off. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, Yeah. but guys, Minefielders, um, we'll be back next week. Uh, Marvel has some new comics. Image has some new comics. I think there's a few DC comics coming out. I think some Boom and uh, some IDW, uh, finally. If I read that right, I hope I'm I'm correct. But, guys, uh, this is dangerous. This transmission is over. Good night. Good night. Bang.